three weeks in Brooklyn. I'm not a poet. I'm not really a writer. These are just words, words that I jotted down, words describing the daily activities from three weeks. Brooklyn, don't be mad at me. Body glowing. Sunday candy on a Wednesday night. Gas range, butter sizzling in pans, Bushwick punk show, polar vortex deep fucking freeze, Brooklyn steam heat, bottle rockets, noisemakers, sitting in the wrong class at the theater. Look out, cop, mm. just a fireman. Spanish songs, I don't know the words, you do. Houses in exotic locations that we'll never live in. Chinatown, Big Buddha, durian candy, sour straws, arcades. Drinks on the subway from old used jars. Suspicious landlord, fifth floor walk up. Micheladas. Green van, drugs from... Hmm, sweatshirt, crop top. That thrift store on Driggs. Devising schemes across the globe. You get it. Pink denim. Snowed in. Spaced out. 10 p.m., Grilled cheese, stained glass bathroom window, you, leather jacket cool, warmer days, California dreams, Brooklyn. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 100, the centennial, right? That's 100, centennial. Man, that's exciting. Well, okay. So I had this whole, like, I'm going to do this retrospective on 100 episodes and the past seven months of travel, and I recorded it, and like most of the solo stuff I did... I hated it, so I scrapped it. So instead, I'm going to have a guest today. A guest who's much better at doing some of this solo stuff than I am. Um, I'll get into him in just a little bit, but what have I been doing? So I did some of these New York-based episodes, which hopefully you've heard by now. But basically, when I got back here, um, I sort of made the rounds around the East Coast to see family and stuff like that, because I hadn't seen people in so long. And... I got hit by like post-travel depression real bad. Like I, I get that anyway, but this, and, and this comes up in the episode today and maybe it's like a little arrogant or maybe you think it's like a little douchey or whatever, but 
I like, I've really been having trouble relating. Um, I don't know, like I would never in my life before this, I've never really talked to people about money. Everyone wants to talk about money now. Like, uh, how much did you make? How much did you save? How much have you spent? How much do you have left? Uh, don't want to talk about that. Also, like I have nothing now. I have nothing to decompress from. So like, yeah, I used to have, you know, my escapes uh, from like the working reality, right? But man, I've been on the road and like I, so it's, it's strange that like the number one question people ask after money is like, Hey man, like what, what Netflix, <laughs> what Netflix series have you been keeping up with? None of them. None of them. I haven't been watching Netflix. I haven't been paying attention to politics. I can't, I can't talk to you about the shutdown because I don't know. Cause I didn't follow those things because I unplugged and you should unplug too. Like I get it. We all need our escapes. Uh, but you should find some different ones, especially like, man, like, I don't know. Like, I can't talk to you about Trump. I just, I don't have the energy for it. Um, I don't know if I'm callous enough to say like, I don't care cause I do care. But like these people, they, you know, the, the politicians and the media and the garbage, like they, they dominate your life like Monday like Sunday night to like midday Friday, right? And then you, you, you unwind. It's Friday night. It's Saturday. It's Saturday night. And you, you put all that shit aside and, and, and you live, right? Yeah, you should do that every day. And I know that's easier said than done. And I had this in my sort of like retrospective that I now threw out, but I'll give you two and I won't, I won't belabor this too much, but I'll give you like I'll say it like this, like there are, there are poetic people and, and great thinkers and philosophers who have articulated this point much, much better than I. And I'll give you sort of a cheesy uh, analogy or a cheesy example. If you've seen the movie Fight Club, and I, it's been a while, so I can't remember the scene exactly, but there's this point where like um, Tyler Durden takes a, maybe he's like a guy in a, like a retail store or a restaurant or something like that. And he takes him out back in the parking lot, like uh, has like a gun to his head and, and takes the guy's ID and says, I know where you live. If you don't start like living your life freely, I'm going to come kill you. Right. So hear me out for a second. Imagine, right. Imagine that, I don't know the divine creator or whatever, or let's, let's say a doctor, a doctor tells you, Hey, you're going to be like able-bodied and healthy for the next month. But at the end of this month, there's absolutely nothing you can do to prevent yourself from dropping dead. So what is this? This is February right now, February 28th. Boom. You're dead. You're not waking up that day. How are you going to spend those remaining weeks? Now I know it's like, yeah, okay, man, that's easier said than done. Like, but Hear me out for a second. You are going to listen to music in a way that you've never listened to music. You're going to enjoy meals with people. You're going to eat with people. You're not going to eat the dollar menu rushing from one job to the next in your car. If there's places you haven't been to that you want to travel to, you're going to do that. Or even like something like, I don't know, staying in bed all day with your girlfriend and not feeling guilty about it. And like focusing on that time and appreciating it and like 
the smells in the air and the things that you're seeing and the feelings. You're going to concentrate on your senses because you're not going to want to forget it because pretty soon you're not going to have that. You're going to be gracious when people do things for you and like recognize when people do things for you and appreciate it. Like you are not going to be insecure because who cares? You're not like, you're not going to get into fights with people because who cares? You don't have time, man. Your time's running out. Imagine that you can live that way. So extrapolate that out, right? Again, maybe this is like you're fast forwarding through this and this is your, your eye rolling right now. But you are dying in a way. <laughs> you are going to die. Likely it won't be February 28th. But in the grand scheme of time, your life is over in a blink. You are rapidly hurtling towards your death. And so yes, I am simplifying this. I have sort of crafted my life in a way that, you know, I could have gotten, just gotten up and gone and just gotten up and traveled. You know, no kids or mortgage or any of that stuff. But I'm not just talking about like the things that I like. Like, Honestly, the way that I just said in those 28 days you would live, you can live that way. And I've met many people now at this point who've sort of like unplugged all around the world and are doing this. I mean, maybe it's not travel. Maybe it's that you've always wanted to, to do yoga and like be better to your, your partner and do something that scares you because like you're so guarded and safe and careful with your life. Whatever it is, the thing that you think about all the time, the thing that you daydream about, if you've ever said, oh, I'd like to do that, but, fuck the but, and do it. Whoa, wait. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So, yeah, if there's anything that you can, anything that you can get from me, um, from like the messages from the guests, even from today's, is that you can, you can really do the things that you, you dream about. I always dreamed about just, just traveling the world and sort of living the way that I'm living right now. And I'm not, I'm not special. I'm not wealthy. Yes, I've purposely crafted out this life and you're going to have to do that and some things take some planning. But I urge you, I implore you, the thing that you always think about, even if it's like a difficult conversation you've been meaning to have with someone, like maybe you haven't been able to get over yourself to say sorry to somebody. Maybe it's that. God, I sound like, man, there's all these like self-help bozos right now and now I feel like I sound like these people. Uh, so I'm going to shut up now. But if, if there's anything you get from me, it's go out there and do the thing that you've been thinking about. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. I am flying today to California and I got a whole lot of really cool stuff planned there. So I'm excited about that. Some national parks, a whole bunch of episodes that I'm going to do for you and for me. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Okay. Today's guest is Ari Shafir. I'm sure you, you know who he is already, huh? Um, Ari is a comedian 
a hilarious comedian. He has a really awesome podcast. I referenced a couple of the episodes in this episode that we did today. I really think you should check out uh, his episode with Henry Rollins. That's To me, it's like, I don't know, if there's ever like a textbook on podcasts someday. Um, yeah, th- that one's going to be like up there. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of my favorite podcasts I've ever heard. Henry's stories are amazing. And Ari's sort of like enthusiasm for the stories is like really infectious and, and, and pretty cool. Um, the real reason I wanted Ari on is because he travels a lot and he talks about his travels and he likes stories and he's really good at talking. Um, but he also like, you know, he sort of, he's, he unplugged and sort of dropped out and, you know, took his flip phone to Southeast Asia for four months and went off, you know, off the grid, off, off the map. And his style of travel and like what he, the way he travels is quite similar, similar to what I do. Uh, and it's one that I appreciate. And to me, it's like these episodes are just like when you're traveling and you're at a bar and you're having a couple beers with someone and you're just trading travel stories. So that's exactly what I wanted to do with Ari. And again, like I'm, you know, he gets hit up all the time, even today or when we were recording this yesterday, he was getting hit up by people like, can you do my podcast and stuff? So I'm sure that's stressful and and probably quite annoying. And to have like a somewhat stranger ask you to, you know, do his podcast is probably like not at the top of his list. So I'm really, really appreciative that he gave me his time. Um, I met Ari at uh, the event. I had Rolf Potts on the podcast and Rolf had like um, a book event for his book souvenir and Ari's book at that. And then there was an after party and that's how I met Ari. So we recorded this upstairs from the comedy cellar. God damn, what's the name of that cafe where we were? I forget. I'm sorry. Uh, But upstairs from the comedy cellar in the village and um, I had a great time talking to him. So yeah, that's it. Um, I've got a Patreon account. If you are able to support, that's a subscription-based service where you can give 50 cents, $1, $5, $100 a month, and that will go into keeping these stories coming. I guess eventually I got to get a real job again, huh? Yeah. Going to hold off on that for as long as I can. Uh, So yeah, like obviously flying to California and driving around California and all these things takes money. Um, So if you're financially able to, that'd be awesome. You could go to patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter and I can send you some stuff in return. If you're not able to support financially, you can download, subscribe, go to iTunes or whatever you listen to, Stitcher, um, Google, what is it? Google Play Podcast? What do they call it? Google Podcasts? Um, all those, and leave a five-star rating and review. All those things help to get more eyeballs on this. All right, folks, that's it. Enjoy this conversation with Ari Shafir. episode 100 nice congratulations. Um, yeah thank you <laughs> and like I'm not you know like I'm not from media or anything and like I'm not like a, a big podcast or anything um, I've always followed like your podcast and, and the comedy and everything but 
Your episode with Rollins yeah. was like a fucking masterpiece, man. Yeah. And um, Those are such cool places. You did something in Myanmar where you had like that girl at the temple on. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of like so many... Com- so I've been to Southeast Asia now like the past four years. And it reminded me of like the types of conversations that I'd be having with people where like we don't think we have a lot of commonalities... Yeah. Uh, we don't really speak the language, but then we have these like really meaningful moments. There's like yeah, there's like moments, but they're not like um, it's weird because you, you, your language is a barrier, right? Mm. So like you can get to sort of surface things that seem more meaningful because it's like so foreign, such mm. a weird place. But so like if I was talking to someone from Myanmar who spoke like fluent English, and I'm talking to her about you know Aung San Suu Kyi and the, and, the, and the government and stuff like that, I could really get into some questions. But all I get from her, she's 17 too, so it's like, I don't know how much, even if she spoke fluent English, mm. it was like, I don't like her, you know? Right. That's why she doesn't like the prime minister. So it's like, oh, interesting. I didn't know anyone didn't like her. Yeah. But like, you can't be like, specifically why? Yeah. She said a little bit, actually, if I remember, she's talking like, hey, she's not great in education. And you're like, oh, okay. But that type of thing that you did, right? Uh-huh. And when you, when you talk about stories and when you talk about travel, there's a, like a believability to your, to your tone. Like it's a tone that I recognize, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it sounds like sort of maybe like arrogant to say, but it's sort of like that thing you identify with like the, the writers or the musicians and the, the, the people who are, are doing like art that you like. Yeah. Like it's like, like, you know, like the real people who have like the it thing that, that you identify with. And that to me, like, there's certain types of travelers that have that. And, like, I could hear that in the way that you talk about travel. Yeah, you hear, whatever, that'll come up sometimes. Yeah, fuck it, there's always stuff. Um, I mean, so you do travel reading, I guess, Mm. at least. And and there's just, like, uh, there's one type that I don't personally like, which is, like, it glorifies everything to a point of, like, it seems awesome when you read it, but then you're like, that ain't real. We were in Myanmar, we did this on, 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 um, what was the lake? Lake, um, Inlay Lake. And you can go out there in the morning and you can uh, rent a, uh, they have like little, not sort of, I guess, tours, but like guys that take out in a boat five or six at a time mm. to uh, to go see how they fish with this weird like net where they use their hands and their feet. Yeah. And they like, get in there. But it's like traditional fishing in Inlay Lake, but they don't really do it like that anymore. Mm. So what they have is people like pretending to do it like they used to. Because they have better fishing techniques now. Right. You know, it wasn't like, it works specifically for this lake because the currents is not like that. But people want their authentic yeah, experience. Yeah, so they go there and you get the sunrise and you get like sunrise behind these guys and they're holding up this this net by their hand and the other side of the net by their by their feet. And they have these like frozen fish or like petrified fish mm. that they show to the tourists like, look, see? And then they then they take their boat and come by you and like ask for money. Yep. So and you're like, <laughs> but you're not even doing anything. Like if I was going to look at how like, I'm trying to think what, what the equivalent would be. I don't know if I went out and watched some like hunters in Alaska. They're not like putting on a show for me. They're like, right. you can watch, I guess. We're taking shots at pheasants or something. But like, actually, one time in in um, East Timor, I was I was driving a moped or whatever, and and uh, I passed by this guy just staring at the, the the trees, and like in between like the sort of like woods between like the the, the beach and the and the city of somewhere. Um, and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, hunting parrots. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? He goes, gotta eat parrots, man. You gotta eat. 
And I was like, have you caught any? And he just like opened up his shirt. And he's like, yeah. And there's like six dead parrots on what? his belt. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But I watched them hunt with like an air rifle, hunt these parrots. I saw him kill one. But he wasn't putting on a show for me. He was aware that I was watching at that point. He yeah. Was like, Let me try to hit one, you know. If, if somebody's watching play basketball, like I'm going to try to hit these shots, you know. Um, but these people were just like faking it for tourists. And then my friend Lisa posted an Instagram post about how like it's these little things in life that make everything worthwhile and the beauty of whatever. But I'm like, you were there with me. We know it was a phony. Yeah. We talked about how phony it was. And then you're posting this picture of how beautiful it was, but that you're not being real. Yeah, there's also like, uh, I'll sound bitter maybe because these people are like successful and like, I guess sort of like living their dream. So like more power to them. Yeah. But like the like impossibly hot like travel couples oh, that yeah. go to like oh, geez, the most yeah. beautiful locations. And it's like the the all of the travel stuff is them. <laughs> it's like, did you interact with anyone in the places that you went to? And had well, it? so yeah, I got some of that when I got home. They were like, all, my, all your pictures were with white people, dude. How'd you go to Asia <laughs> for six, you know, four months and just talk to a bunch of white people? And it's like, I'm, well, the language barrier is massive. And then you don't have much in common with someone from Cambodia. You know, you have way more in common with a German who you normally wouldn't have anything in common with, but you're both in Cambodia. Right. So you're both travelers together. And that to me is like, so that's sort of like what this is, um, is like you in a sense or someone, you know, like uh, comedy aside, if I had met you on the road somewhere, like that's the type of thing, like you sit down with someone else that's traveling and like you sit down and you share travel stories and like that too is one of the most meaningful things for me. Yeah. Like where have you been? Where have you been? It's like you connect on that level. There's a little bit of some, some, sometimes there's bragging to each other, but then a lot of times if I'm remembering right, it's been a little bit since I've done it. But like, the bragging's okay. Mm. Like you both know the other person's bragging, but it's like it's still cool. Yeah. And then you're like, now are you done? Now can I brag about something? And then and then they're like interested because it's not you're bragging about like I got an A plus in college. You're like yeah, we all did that once or twice. Yeah. It's like I was going down this river and you know these boat people took me in and they made me dinner and you're like whoa, yeah. you know. And you know you have one in your pocket for this or similar mm. thing, but you're like still like that's awesome. What a good moment. At what point, like, so you've traveled quite a bit, but at what yeah. point in your life was it like, okay, this is something that I need to keep doing? Uh, well, I, I, I got a sort of a, the itch, the bug, a lot of people called it. Yeah. Um, I think 2012, I was in my first trip to China. I had gone to a few places. I used to open up for Joe Rogan, uh, comedian, podcaster. He wasn't a podcaster then. Well, maybe he was. But um, no, he wasn't in the beginning. And it's all over America at first, and Canada, which is pretty much America. And then, um, and then he took me to Australia on a trip once, mm. and that was pretty cool. It's like three days in Australia, two and a half, two, three nights, two days, something like that. Um, and and I skipped. It was a free UFC plane ticket. They get a companion ticket. It was fun too because um, the owner of the UFC, Dana White, because in his contract when it was nothing, the UFC, they were like, you get a free first class companion ticket. Whoa. And, you know, to a hotel room for you, hotel room for your companion, just so we didn't have to be alone. And then we started doing, like, let's do gigs. we got to be there on Friday for the weigh-ins. Let's do yeah. it Friday night. So we started planning those. But anyway, wherever he went, the country. And the UFC got bigger, and they started going to bigger places. And they didn't know they were going to Australia. And um, he came up to me. He goes, do you know how much your flight costs? This is the owner of the <laughs> UFC. It's yeah. me. And I'm like, how much? He goes, $25,000. <laughs> he goes, do you have a single fight? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. In my head, I was like, let's split it, bro. Bump me down to coach. I'll get 12. You get 12. <laughs> you know? I needed the money. But like, um, 
But when I was there, I was like, this is so cool. And I skipped the UFC and I just like walked around the zoo, the Taronga Zoo. Um, long-term memory, intact. Short-term memory. Marijuana took it. Um, um, and I just fucked around. I went on the bridge, uh, Sydney Harbor Bridge, and just had a good time there. And that's not, English-speaking countries aren't as foreign, you know, foreign, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, everything's a foreign country, but like foreign lands and language and foods. You know, in Australia, they got meat pies. Right. They don't really have, but it's pretty much the same. You know, they have a Zara gifts and a McDonald's. Yeah. Um, but I was like, this is cool. I like it. And then I told my agent, I was like, I want to go fun places. And he got me this this 17-day like tour of China. Oh, that's um, sick. Yeah. Shanghai, Beijing, cities outside Shanghai also, and then um, and then Hong Kong. Um, I think for the last like eight days, and then cities outside Hong Kong. Um, and that just unlocked it. Yeah. Being in China, walking in Shanghai at night. Once they told me China was super safe, because you know, you the fear is always there. I think it's xenophobia. Mm, yeah, the the alertness, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. this is a foreign country. What's going on? And some of it, like, it's just got to know customs. Yeah. You know? Um, Which you can definitely fuck up. Like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the way in like Indonesia, like the 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 ferries leave at whatever time they feel like they yeah. want to leave. Could be like on time. Could be up to like nine, ten hours late. You know. I just did three months in Indonesia. It's like really? same with Thailand. Like there's like Thai time and Indonesia yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, when's this leaving? They're like, uh. And they're like, not concerned. Yeah. And you're like, well, I gotta go. And they're like, laughing. You're like, what? I don't know, man. It's gonna go it's when it goes. The opposite of New York attitude. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, just like yeah. so much different. I'm trying to think what the equivalent would be here of someone not understanding of like, like, well, okay, let's say here. Let's say you're coming from one of those places. You're like, I missed the bus. It's uh-huh. across town. Like, don't worry. There's another seven per every 20 minutes. Another seven yeah. buses. So like, it's not a big deal if you miss it. Yeah. You know, but I can see you freaking out. Like, that's the only one for two days. You're like, oh no, that's in your country. In this country, there's plenty of us. You just gotta know little techniques. But overall, too, it's like a fear of just the foreign people. Could you think they're up to something? Yeah. It, may, it, it might just affect me. I don't know. But I, it's I, xenophobia in me. I've, I have never had like real, real dangerous situations, but I've had like plenty of people try to rip me off and scam me and that scam kind of shit. Scam is different. I, I wouldn't, I have not had those situations. I've just had the fear. Mm. And then once I'm in a country for like a week or two, I'm like, oh, that fear yeah. is, it's and not. You learn the ropes too. Yeah, it's fine. It was never there. I was just scared of something that wasn't real. I wasn't going to bring this up, but <laughs> you'd be, you, you uh, activated something there when you were talking about Dan White. Um, did it ever get back to him that like hiding drugs in the bathroom at the UFC events? I don't. I I don't know anyone who takes more control over their business than him. Mm. So I'm not sure. But I, if I had to bet all my money on it, I would bet for sure he, he would know about You're it. You're still welcome. He's a cool guy. He's the only commissioner of any sports league that curses. Yeah. That talks about one of his employees and goes, fuck him. He's never fighting yeah. a league again. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean? You don't see Bud Selig saying yeah. fuck him to any of the fucking ball players. That's, that's true. Cra- it'd be crazy to do that. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, he'd have to have known. He'd okay. have to have known. But I don't know for sure, for sure. One time me and Duncan were fucking around and we were... Um, we were uh, we, we were in the front row, and we, he Duncan realized the cameras were on us when the fight was like right in front of us. So he was like, "Let's make some Illuminati signs and like you know in the background." And then somebody's like, "Let's kiss." Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, but he texted me <laughs> the next day. He's like, "Quite the social media darling today." Oh. I didn't know it was. I just got a new flip phone, so I didn't know who it was, so I ignored it. But like then later, I was like, "Oh fuck, that was Dana." That's but he, funny he's though. Not really mad. He's yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. Um. Like, whatever, it didn't affect the fight. Don't throw shit into the ring, but 
Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you get the xenophobic moment, and I was once they told me in Shanghai though the, the expats, the, the the comics who live there who were taking me around, they're like, oh, it's completely safe here. Yeah. The punishments on violent crime are so severe, no one does it. Not to mention the cultural norms against against violence. It's just like, it's just it's not going to happen. Mm. And then I was like, oh. And then the, the the phobia was gone, and then I just walk around, and that feeling of walking around away from like a downtown area where it gets more like Chinese, you know, it's just like, whoa, this is a way different place. And uh, yeah, I guess after that, I was like, I want to go see more places. Yeah, you also do it in a way that, like, um, you know, obviously, like you like have some sort of like global status where like you're known more than like a regular person, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you still like are when you can like staying in hostels and like kind of doing it real like. Oh well, that's because I don't like the the idea of being like recognized or known at all. People don't see you as like a regular person. Mm. Um, they try to talk to you instead of like allow themselves to talk to you. You know, mm. what I mean, it's like it's a different thing. But when I stay in hostels with all those like other travelers, one they're mostly not Americans. Yeah. So like. They wouldn't know you, and even the Americans are like travel younger travel ones, and they just don't know you. I mean, four months in Asia, Southeast Asia, I, I think I got recognized like three or four times. Really? Oh yeah, so I love that. Whoa. Yeah. So the last thing I, I want, well, it has nothing to do with hotels or hostels. That hostels thing was because I kept talking to people that I met in my friend Sean Abear. Where did I meet him? China or Hong Kong? Hong Kong. And he was telling me about hostels a little bit. And I had been to Thailand before that with, with another uh, lady I met in Hong Kong. And she's all about, like, yeah, stay cheap, you know? Yeah. And so the more I saw, I was like, yeah, I got to do this. And he just gave me some tips, like, you know, be careful about bed bugs. If, you know, here's how. Um, Agoda and, and, um, and Hostel World. Is that another one? I don't know Hostel World. Okay, but you know Agoda. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like pretty much now there's reviews, so it's way easier yeah. than 15 years ago hostels. Yeah, and it's like, um, what, are you staying in your hotel room anyway? Like, what do you... Yeah, and it, it it was like, once I... One, because it was like, I'm going to be gone for months, and I can't afford hotel rooms every night for months. Yeah. Um, but two, the, what I realized is like, you learn so much more stuff about what to do. Yeah, and you meet you know, people and... You meet like travelers. What are you, you doing today? Yeah. Hotel. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a communal type of food situation, but nah, you yeah. really don't. It's, it's, it's like, it, it'd be crazy if you did meet someone in a hotel. It happens, I'm sure, but like, it's, it's like a, you're bucking the odds if you do that versus in a hostel. It's, it's nuts if you don't meet anybody. You know, that breakfast, the morning breakfast, it's free breakfast, yeah. everyone's out there, and then they're just talking before they get started on their day. That's what I realized in Yangon, like, right away. One day at a hotel and then hostel, and the first morning I kind of got up late for breakfast and I caught the tail end of it, and the next morning I was there, got all these tips of what to do, met people, like, I'll do that. And it's like, okay. And then just like, oh, okay, don't miss the breakfast. Yeah, and then you end up, like, traveling with people for yeah. weeks, yeah. Yeah, for, for days or weeks or whatever, yeah. you go with people, certain people drop off, other people join. You randomly run in in another country, run into somebody that you saw, because there's a trail, mm. you know? So there's like a certain amount of things that's like normal to do. And then you can go like way further off on your own, even more adventurous. Although everyone from here thinks everything there is adventurous. But yeah. like then they, once you get there, like, okay, this has all been like tread upon. These trails are like set. You know, you go from... Ho Chi Minh to this place to, to Sapa to, to Hanoi and it's like standard and then if you're like what about east and west you're like oh I don't know and that's when you're like I'll just my own try to find a homestay yeah. those are fun too 
but scarier. But um, wait, what was I saying about it? I forgot. Well, I have a question for you. So at the end of that four months, right? Because um, that's a pretty long time. Yeah. Do you, Not long for the people I met, by the way. Right, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, do you get like post-travel depression? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for sure. Did you? Oh, man. Like, so, so like I was gone from July 1st to like the end of December and it was a nightmare coming home. There's like the regular post-travel depression, um, but then also like... Like post, post-vacation depression where you're like, no, I don't want to go back to work. Exactly. That, that's a normal one, yeah. The thing is like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like not back to work, so I'm still sort of like unplugged from the matrix, right? But like, um, so I came to New York and then I like went around the country a bit to visit family. And now I'm back here and like I haven't told anybody that I'm back here because like, and maybe again, it sounds like sort of arrogant or some shit, but like I cannot relate to people right now. Like th- here's the things everyone wants to talk about. How much money do you have? How much right. money did you spend? And then, like, third is like, like, have you kept up with like uh, Big Bang Theory? Seriously, oh, like, really? what are you watching on Netflix? Like, uh, yeah. fucking nothing. Because I've, <laughs> I've literally been like. Well, that's the weird thing. It's like when you're out there, wherever you went, it's like there's like we're always talking about reading, like books and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's really no time to read books because unless you're on like long buses, mm-hmm. um, or if you have like beach days. It's like you're doing stuff. You're like, yep. I gotta go see this temple, or I gotta go do this thing, or like, I don't know, we're doing things, or just biking around this lake. You know, it's like you're not just doing nothing. And then here you have a lot of nothing time. A lot of it's too because you have something to decompress from is work. Right. You really do need like, oh, I gotta watch TV or just see a movie or whatever. Yeah. I think I saw. I'm thinking two movies, but it might just be one movie in, in four months out there. And it was in just it was I don't know it was early on too. But it was just like, I don't have time for that. We're not doing this. Even if it's just drinking with other travelers, it's like, yeah, we're going to do that instead. Yeah. But yeah, so here's what I just noticed the last time I was traveling. And it was for work, but like two months, a few, 10, 12 different countries, something like that. But like once you're gone from here long enough, all this, the responsibility fades away. And so you're only left with like a different thoughts in your mind yep. that have nothing to do with work or gossip or shit like that. You stop even checking in to like what Trump is doing. Yep. You just stop even caring. You, What's up, Lizzie? <laughs> you totally unplugged. Yeah, you get unplugged and then it's like, yeah, you're just having fun. So you just don't care about the same things. But the same token, they don't care about like, I don't know, some glorified church in Cambodia. Yeah. You know, some temple. Like, I don't know, right? We have churches here. You know? Yeah. When I went to Edinburgh the first time, they have a castle in Edinburgh. And, uh, I was living with people from London. And I was like, you want to go check out the castle? And they're like, no. Nah. I'm like, really? You don't want to see it? And they're like, oh, Ari, we have castles where we live. Yeah. That's not a big deal yeah. for us. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't like... But I, yeah, it's depression. It's like more boring and like this stupid life that you don't want to go back into. Uh, yeah, like, so... Every so, meal's not an adventure anymore. Yeah, and just like the... the yeah, the everyday being a blank slate kind of thing. Like, I was in... Um, God, where was I? I was in Lombok, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like during the earthquakes, which was insane. Oh, man. Um, and I was like, okay, like I'm not that far from Brunei. Like I've heard that Brunei might be crazy. Um, I don't know anyone that's been there. It's a two-hour plane ride. I'm just, okay, I'm going to Brunei Let's tomorrow. Go. Yeah. So I went to Brunei for five days, which was fucking bizarre. Yeah, that's like, cool. They have- yeah, those headhunters there, right? Uh, so those are in Borneo, yeah. Borneo. So um, Borneo is on the same island? Yeah, part Borneo island. is like Brunei, part of Malaysia- 
and part of Indonesia. What are they called? Ah, uh, fucking A, man. The Sarawak. I remember reading about them when I was yeah. there. And I was like, and I was like, what? I got to go. So I went to get, the, I went to like the longhouse and I went to get the tattoo and everything and like the drink, the, the Tuwok rice wine and everything. Like yeah. it was, yeah, it was, it was nuts. Um, but Brunei is like, Brunei's fucking weird, man. Um, like, so it's Sharia law. And they had, they even had like karaoke, but like two teenagers had sex in a karaoke booth. So like, that's it for the country. So no that's alcohol. The, so no more karaoke. No, no live music, no oh, karaoke. Damn. Um, there's nothing to do. Damn. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Except talk and like walk around. Yeah. But you can still like go over the border and like bring back beer. And if you know the right people, you can find weed. And like, yeah, it's, uh, funny. it's funny just getting a beer out there. Those shitty local beers. Is like so much fun and yeah. the 20 ounces that they it's only what, have like, 20 ounces pretty it, much. If we were going to go to the park today, I was going to try to find Chang's because like, Chang's, yeah. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's an experience just to sit somewhere and yeah and drink. Yeah. I put up a post or something on Instagram. It's like these beers, like I don't even know if they're good or bad anymore, yeah. but like Mandalay and Myanmar beer and then like Chang's in China and uh, Chang's in Thailand and also all over. Yeah. They're like the biggest export of to there. And yeah. And Tiger too is, is Tiger, pretty yeah. big. Yeah. Um, but this is like, you're drinking these shitty beers you would normally never drink. Um, what's the one in Cambodia? Anchor? Anchor, yeah. yeah. And it's like, but it's part of the experience mm-hmm. now. So if I see one in a, in a restaurant now, if I go to a Burmese restaurant and they have a Mandalay, I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you want a Heineken? I'm like, any other day. Yeah. But like, this is, reminds me of being here drinking, you know? And there's always weird shit going on. Like when you're just sitting drinking like out on the street somewhere, like in a, at a table out on the street. Like, I love Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Because, like, there's always weird shit. Like, I saw, like, a woman get into a fight with her husband. We're just sitting there like, eating seafood or whatever it was, like, um, and drinking beers. And, like, we see this woman hit her husband over the head with a flower pot and, like, oh. knock him out. Like, just weird stuff like Damn. that, especially in Asia. Yeah, I think it's, like, normal stuff. But since it looks foreign, it seems yeah, more interesting. I was in Ho Chi Minh and I wandered away from District 1. Just it's so yeah. So all the tourists are yeah. Yeah, and I just kept wandering further and further away. You know, I found a good party hostel, which I kind of wanted at the time. Sometimes I want party hostels. Sometimes I want quiet hostels. Yeah, but I like party hostels. <laughs> you know, as long as it's not like they're all up screaming. Yeah. You know, it's like they respect the fucking bedroom part of it. Yeah, but like, I like everyone's hanging out, playing cards, and like talking. You know. Um. Anyway. I kept walking and walking and walking and walking until I got to like, I think District 9, 10, 11. And then I just passed by these four old ladies, six old ladies, I think, maybe five, playing some weird card game. And the cards were like long and narrow. Like they were like mm. about like that long. Um, it almost seemed like dominoes, but it wasn't with different. And I was just watching them and they're like, do you want to play? But they were gambling. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was just watching it. And meanwhile, it's whatever, it's their game. It would be the same is if someone from Vietnam came here and was watching people play bridge. Yeah, yeah. okay. Wow. And it's not that interesting unless it's different, unless it's foreign. And then it's super interesting. All the details, all the buying bus tickets, all the fucking, it's just like, what is this? They're screaming at each other. And it's like, we're here, we have like cab drivers like, get the fuck out of here. And we don't even think twice about it. Yeah. I, I guess it's just being in a different setting. I d- think definitely like not thinking about work. You get to think about other stuff. Mm-hmm. You get clear. I get clear after like a f- couple weeks. Like it, everything here just fades away. Yeah. Or more and more. To, to, and so you get like out of whatever percentage of clear it is, 80% clear. You don't forget everything. You don't forget who your parents are and your friends. But like um, it fades away enough to where you're not thinking about what you're 
away from when you were thinking about what you're getting into. Yeah. You know, mo- more. And then it's just like, yeah, it's a different way of thinking. I can see the depression coming back and then be like, well, responsibility, where are you going to get money? Like, God damn it. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's the big thing too. Like, um, so I was, yeah, I was going to ask you this. Like, uh, you're in a, like a, a career in an art form that's sort of like, um, it's fair to say that it's like outsiders, right? Yeah. And um, so maybe, you know, your your choice your choices wouldn't seem so weird to people, but like, and again, uh, obviously you, you can't get into the details of like leaving Comedy Central and everything, but how, like, how do you think your, your peers perceive like the travel aspect of it? Like just getting up and like sort of dropping out for four months. Oh, they think it's strange for sure. Um, I mean, Joe List, my buddy, comedian, he was like, I couldn't, aren't you, he says, aren't you afraid of missing stuff? Mm-hmm. And I was like, at the time I was like, well, I have, I have a TV show that I'm coming home to and I have a special that I've edited that's going to come out. Like, come, what am I missing? Yeah. Like things are going, they're going. When you start comedy, you really can't do shit. You got to be on stage seven nights a week, getting better, getting ahead. It's also, you love it. So it's not like, it's not like being a consulting firm where you're trying to become vice president faster than the next guy uh-huh. you know it's like enjoyable fun but you really got to be out of comedy clubs every night um and then at some point you can go down to five nights a week you know um and then once you're really settled it's like you can take a sabbatical you ever read the fountainhead no so he, he he's like this artist and architect is his art form and eventually things are going well enough for him that he's like i'm going on this boat somebody invited me to this boat and I went, he went on a boat for like weeks or months at a time where he's not doing anything. And turns out everything went to shit while he was gone, but like, uh, which is not different, much different than me. But like, um, um, the idea is like, it's settled. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I've mm-hmm. learned what I have to learn background wise. And now it's like, I'm taking off. I just finished a special. So I'm like, I can start building a new, new hour of comedy, but like I can do it now or in four or five, six, eight months, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we... Oh, so they look at me as like a weirdo for sure, but they're like half envious and half like trying to justify themselves why they, why they wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, we, we have very different lives, but like I think that people's concern for like money and things like that are sort of their projection. Because um, I get all the time like, oh, like you were an assistant principal. That's lucrative or whatever. Yeah. Like, when are you going back to that? I was like, oh, well, I'm not. Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we know this person. So I grew up in DC, outside DC, and so all my friends are super professional. And then the, the people in the, my circle, even the ones that didn't grow up with, they the only professional people join that circle. You know, people who were talking about their their GMATs and their LSATs and their fucking you know what what business they're gonna go into. It's just like yep. that's just their life. You know, and they have fun and drink at night and have have a good time and softball and shit. But like they're professionals, and they always talk about this one woman in that scene who quit her job and then just went to sell ice cream on the beach in the Virgin Islands. And they're like, what? But she was on track for like CEO. And they're like, look down on her and she looks down on them. Because yeah. she's like, no, no, I, I see it now. This is all worthless. Yeah. Happiness is the thing. And if I can make enough money to live in the Virgin Islands. It's way better than making retirement money in DC. Yeah. You sort of become that guy, yeah. uh, right? So like, um, like I've listened, like listened to a lot of podcasts too, and like when you're talked about, it's like, oh yeah, Ari like dropped out for four months, and we couldn't we couldn't contact him. We didn't know if he yeah. was alive, and uh, yeah, like you're sort of that guy then who 
again, it's like sort of unplugged. Yeah, well, I try to analyze it too. Of like, what, I want to unplug. Oh, the unplugging part too. It's, yeah, just because I was like, I don't want these things pulling me back in. I want to like be gone. Mm-hmm. And so I know like social media brings you back in to like dumb shit. Um, I didn't want people contacting me and be like. Also, I like the mystery, the idea, of the mystery of it. Yeah, yeah. I was aware. I was like, it's cool. To everybody's like, where the fuck in the people world are talking is he? About you, yeah. yeah, an occasional post would come up. And my friends would post something. Someone's like, where? He's an anchor what? Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, but I was already gone by that point, you know, and it's like, what? <laughs> where? Um, yeah, Bert was like, uh, when they're like, Ari, I think Ari's leaving. And he's like, yeah, I'll be back. I'm like, no, I think he's going to like Micronesia. Some <laughs> like crazy, like, not like just going somewhere. He's not yeah. going to like Toronto. Um, yeah, I like the mystery of it, but like, you really get to disappear when you disappear from all this shit. Because like when Rolf was was traveling in the beginning, like they didn't have social media mm. or probably no, not cell phones. No, it's like you were gone. Yep. And you just had to find your way. You had to ask somebody where where's the bus go to here. I heard this was a city. It's easier now because plus everyone around you has those things. Even if the countries don't, the other travelers do. So you're like, hey, look up this for me. You know, you can make do for the things that they tell you you need a f- cell phone for. Yeah. And, and that type of world is disappearing. It has its hooks in me pretty bad. Like yeah, now, like you go into Brunei or something, I'm like, all right, like how, how can I get like more extreme? Like how can I really be out there? Like, um, like, uh, like Papua in, in Indonesia. Like there's no one that really goes to Papua. No, I heard about it. I wanted to go there. Yeah. But I didn't. It's just weird. Did yeah. you go there? Uh, no. It's like great, like <laughs> hiking and shit. The jungles look great. I mean, Indonesia is so crazy because it has everything. Yeah, seven, seven hundred. Seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand four hundred two seventy-two. Something, like, something that, yeah. like that. I learned the number back when I was there. Yeah. I'd always impress locals with it. Like we have a lot of islands, and I'm like, oh, whatever the number was, I'm like seventeen forty-seven. Like what? How'd yeah. you? It teaches that in fourth grade. How'd you know that? I get a little envious listening to you talk about um, like Timor Leste. Uh-huh. Um, I should have, and I didn't pull the trigger on it. Yeah. But it's like, all right, I could go back. That one's a great one. Uh-huh. That one's a really like not set up for tourism. Mm. Thailand is the most set up in Southeast Asia mm. to me. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, for tourists, yeah. So when people are like, I'm going to Thailand, now I have this weird thing where I'm like kind of looked down on them. But f- f- what if, f- f- I think 2015 maybe was when I... Went to Thailand the first time. It was super foreign. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, yeah, Thailand. But I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's a good jumping off ground for yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and there's places in Thailand you can go to, like, get away. It's just really set up. They, they know why people are coming. Yeah. You could also do, like, the American, like, vacationing in Mexico thing in Thailand where you just, like, sit at a resort and don't oh, yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. You could yeah. do that. But in Myanmar and in, in East Timor, it was like, they stare at you. Yeah. They're like, what? I mean, you shut down markets. When you walk through them, because they're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. Um, it was cool, and that was a place where I remember having like you reminded me earlier during this discussion of like, "Where are you gonna sleep?" It was like biking around or mopeding around yeah. uh, East Timor and just learning the words for place to sleep. Fatum Descansa, one of the few things I know in, in uh, Tatum. Um, and just ask Fatim Descansa, and then just kind of pointing. I'm like, all right. And then just going down the road a little more, like looking for a sign or something like that. And then getting to one, I'm like, Fatim Descansa? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, fucking fuck. But it's like, all right, I guess I'll sleep outside if I have to. And then somebody's like, no, no, Fatim Descansa. And then they write down a number on a piece of paper, and you're like, yeah, I can't handle that. And then just like, oh, it's just so, it's, but you're by yourself. It's not like you can't go on a Gota and look. Right. The weird thing is, like, where was I recently doing something where, where they're like, 
I couldn't find anything online about something. And I was like, oh, it was Egypt. And it's like, because they're not online. So the best experiences here aren't, you're only getting two out of the 30 that are available. Yeah. And they're the, the setup ones. But these other ones are great. They're just not online. You know, they have a great tour set up or a great whatever, lunch or whatever. They're just not, you look for Yelp and you realize, you think, because you don't realize, you think that's all the available restaurants. But what if it was like 10% of the available yeah. restaurants? That means put your fucking phone down and walk around and find the other 90%. I listened to your, your like yearly recap. I did one day in Cairo because yeah. um, I had like a 15-hour layover. So yeah, like I did oh, the nice. premiums and everything. Um, oh, great. And again, like just like the way you talk about it, like when you're sitting on the blocks and you're looking up, it's like a, it's like the monolith from like 2001 yeah, Space Odyssey because it just goes straight up. Yeah, I look back it, like that. Fuck, it goes high. I can't believe you had the balls to drop acid there, though. Oh, well, I've done acid before. <laughs> but did you, so like, when you were at the premiums, did you have, like, a lot, like, a lot of people hassling you? A little bit, yeah, for yeah. sure. I learned, uh, La Chakran, no thank you. Oh, okay. Um, pretty quickly, and I tried to, like, give them a bunch of those. They'd still hassle me. But then at some point, it's like, no. The problem is on the acid, once this guy was like, hey, come with me for this, for this tour... I'll, I'll show you these private like tombs and I was like no and then I was like towards the end it was really kicking and I was like fuck it sure okay show me these private tombs and he was like come on and like we went into places he like really oh yeah some other guard like cracked open a fucking padlock and you gotta slide him a 50 I thought you were gonna say you got scams that's crazy no but here's the deal it is a scam for them cause like I can take anybody there but like for the price of this right. like separate experience it's like there's barely anything. Yeah. They're scamming you for $2. Right. And then you get way more. That, so then eventually he was like, you know, take care of me. And I gave him like a 200, which is like three times four, 12 bucks. Yeah. And then I was like, that's actually not enough. He took me for an hour. Yeah. Around, so I gave him another 200. And then he gave, I was like, that's all I have. I have 230. I gave him all. And he, at some point he looked at me sad. And he goes, here, take 30 back. You got to have something. Oh. Yeah. Because oh, awesome. I got it in his head. He was like, oh, this kid, something's wrong with this kid. <laughs> um, he needs some cash too just to get home. He started to feel bad. But meanwhile, it's like, all right, it was $25 I gave him for yeah. a fucking hour long. It through a padlock, climbing through tunnels. And then just, he goes, sit here. This is where this, this pharaoh thought this, uh, you know, everything came together like um, with like energy and shit. He goes, sit there and meditate for five minutes. I'll be back. And I was like, oh, it was just a cool place. He showed me like tombs and shit. Oh, it was great. All that's but only because I was an asset. I was just start handing him money. I was just started like, whatever I have, it's yours. Yeah. Take it. When I was there, um, all that stuff was amazing. The, the scammers, like, um, so I was there when the, um, it was two years ago, there was a church that got bombed on, like, uh, what's, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, Good Friday? Yeah, um, in Egypt. Yeah. yeah. It was like a Coptic Christian church. Yeah, and um, Yeah. Uh, but I in the airport, just <laughs> putting my stuff through the metal detector, like, the guy tried to shake me down, and he held out his hand for money, and I'm like, isn't this a kind of standard? Like I'm just, and then I went to the bathroom and there's a guy in there, like literally like come out of the toilet and he's like, Oh, it's the best. We're like, I, I get to, it's like five, three to five pounds. What do they use there? In Egypt. English, English I don't remember. pounds. I think it might be Egyptian pounds, but it's something, but, um, Egyptian lira. I don't forget. But a 50 is $3. Uh-huh. So for three or five, it's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. 30 cents, you know, 18 cents it's like not that big a deal and, but they're like hey to go in it costs as much they have someone outside for upkeep yeah because then when you realize when you step back like in America it's like 
the bathrooms are taken care of. I can piss here. Yeah. But then you, when you think about it, it's like, oh no, this they have to pay for water. And this isn't a business that's doing well. They have to pay for cleaning. You just take it for granted that it gets done. But if it doesn't, someone has to get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. So you give them the five or the three, you know. And then you go in there and you're like, you're not using that money to clean. This is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, at least use those three for fucking paying someone to sweep yeah. or mop up. It's disgusting in there. Um, but yeah, there's scams. It, the, the annoying thing is when I just wanted to sit there quietly and look at something and they keep bothering yeah, me. When they don't take it, you're like, yeah. no for an answer, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how about this? How about this? Like, no, I'm really like, I'm not looking for any experience right now. I'm just looking to sit here. Yeah. I had that like in Sri Lanka where like you'd walk past a row of like their version of a tuk-tuk and like first guy you're like no I don't want it second guy I heard you say that but he asked you like no I still don't want it like yeah. nope 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 like all the way down the line in yeah. Hong Kong I was leaving with a new suit I got a suit made and these people like suit suit I'm like I have one like get another I'm like what <laughs> yeah. I mean I would have gotten another if I wanted another right. from the place I just got this from oh it's so annoying and so then it becomes the problem is like you're going down this really interesting street and you can't even look at something. You have to look straight forward and just like barely with your eyes look a little bit. Because if you look, you're like, oh, where? Weird like arts and crafts here. You know they're going to be like, come on, come on, come look, come look, come look. You don't have to buy anything. Just look. Yeah. Have some tea. And you're like, ugh. I just wanted to look in the window for two seconds. Yeah. And then the opposite here, you're looking in the window and people won't even like help you sometimes. Yeah. How much is this? You can't even find somebody to like help you with it. I get a lot. You don't give a shit. I get a lot of like weird looks for the podcast because uh-huh. it's always like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, like so it's like, like who's this guy like waiting for Ari or like who's oh, yeah. this guy? I went to this like I interviewed a a Bellator fighter and uh, she like invited me to after party or whatever. And, like everyone's looking at, like who the fuck is this guy? It's, oh, like, yeah. But like in a place like Indonesia, it's like who the fuck is this guy? Hi, I'm so and so. Like right. everyone yeah, wants to come. Friendly. Yeah. Everyone trying to scam you or trying to get anything off you. It will. The more white people go there, the more they'll realize like, oh, this is a food source. Mm-hmm. These white people are just like fish or just like you know, what you know, migrating birds you can kill and eat. Yeah. <laughs> they're not like killing us. They're just like you can get money out of them. Yeah. Once they realize that, oh, they're all fucked. I um, I like constantly go back and yeah. I constantly like go back and listen to like so like the one with Rollins. You did that before you left, right? Uh huh. Um, Edinburgh. Yeah. First year of Edinburgh. Second no, second year of Edinburgh. Two years later. So that I'll listen to every couple of months, and then there's um. The, I'm sure you've talked about this a few times, but you you talked about going to the cockfights in Timor Leste. Uh huh. And so I was in um in Cebu in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and well, I wanted to go there. I didn't end up oh, going, but that was dude. like on my and list. And like Shargao, you have it's, what is Shargao? I didn't know that one. Shargao is this little oh, island. Sargao. So there's there's Shargao and then there's Sirigao. Oh okay. Which are like almost spelled the same. Shargao is this tiny little island, and like the wave of like uh, development is coming, and it's just gonna fucking ruin it, but. Uh, for now, there's like one road throughout the island, one main road, and there's a one touristy town, and like all the rest are just like remote. Like there's no Wi-Fi signal. Like again, like a nine dollar hostel that you're staying in, like that's really it. And like local kids who can like teach you to surf. Yeah. And they're all gonna get fucked when like the big resorts come and like they start charging a lot of money for that. But um, where was I? That's oh, yeah. So I was in Trigal, and like we had a driver that because it was like a long way to get to these falls and and swimming and we're driving and i hear like all these people screaming and i'm like what is that and he's like oh it's cockfights and i'm like dude uh-huh. fucking stop like stop right here and he stopped and like we were like me and my buddy were the only two white guys and like you go there there's people betting i don't really know what's going on but it's like here take my money and like i think i bet on that rooster or whatever and 
It's fucking vicious. Yeah, it's vicious. But, but it's, it's cool. It's just chickens, though. They don't yeah. seem like real animals. And then I'm pretty sure they eat it. Um, they do. But like... The one I saw, the winner gets to eat the loser's chicken. Yeah. Rooster, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. But again, like, where are you going to... Yeah, you're not going to see that anywhere. How here. can you replicate that experience? Mm-hmm. Oh, they would all stare at me, too, the white guy gambling. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? But they weren't trying to scam me. They were just like... They would occasionally be like, hey, you want to bet on so-and-so? And I'm like, no. Like, all right. Because it's like the clear winner is going to... Yeah. Uh, it's like that in Thailand, or kickboxing fights, too. Yeah. It's like, you can bet on anybody, even odds, but anybody. So, like, you want that mass? I'll take the massive guy. And I'm like, and they're like, I'm like, no, I don't want the small guy. Yeah. And they're like, okay, then no bet. Like, why would I bet on the fucking tiny dude? Did you go to uh, Raja Demern or the, the real big one in Bangkok? Oh, no, I went in northern... I went in Chiang Mai. In Chiang Mai. I didn't go to any of them in Bangkok. Went to a few in, in Chiang Mai, though. Yeah. They're great. Yeah, they're awesome. But um, play the music. Yeah. The whole time you're doing it. Yeah, those cockfights were great. Oh, but yeah, but they're not trying to scam me there. It's just a new fun experience. No, it's, and like when I went, they gave us like, it was the same at Muay Thai. They give you like preferential seating. They're like, because I guess they think you're going to bet a lot. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, come, come sit up front. And there's literally like feathers and blood and shit. Like, <laughs> It's so cool. I want to go back to those cockfights. Dude, finding those cockfights was crazy. I just heard it was behind the mall. I went to the mall and I went to the parking lot behind. I'm like, there's no, what? There's nothing here. And then I just stood bigger and bigger circles around the mall on my moped, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, I, don't I know exactly what you're talking about too. Cause there's all like the bars around it. Like there's like the bar street with like the girl bars. And there's like the, there's that one Muay Thai place in like the center of all of it. Oh, I'm talking about the cockfights, but oh, okay. But yeah. It's that. Okay. That's yeah. yeah in Chiang Mai. Sure. Yeah. 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 That was easier to find. They yeah. Know where to be. The cockfights was that. And then I remember just like, ah, fucking not getting there. So it's taking a left. So the main road is here in Dilly mall here is behind it and nothing, but there's this road this way, big road. And I was like, yeah, I'm not fine. So I'm like, let me go a different route to get home. And as I was dr- driving back, I just saw this old man coming north. I'm going south, coming north, holding a rooster. And now it's like a you know a 30 minute walk from the from the um, from the mall, which is up here. But I'm like, that has to be it. Yeah. What is he holding a rooster for? Just one old man holding a white rooster. And so I kind of like stopped and watched him like shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. And I waited till he got almost out of my sight, like behind me. And then I turned around and drove until I was past him by like a five-minute walk so I could barely see him behind me and then let him pass me again slowly. And then I did it again, you know. And then he turned off into an alley. I'm like, that's it. And I just went to the alley and then like through that alley, I was like, oh, my God, that's there are awesome. all these roosters here. Yeah. And you just get out and put your helmet down and just like go in. Learn to gamble. They use dollars too so you could just gamble with a dollar. It was great. And they do that thing where you like, they kind of – like show them off beforehand when you start betting to see like which one looks tougher and like uh-huh. yeah. yeah oh my gosh and there's always one that's like <laughs> way bigger at least when, uh, yeah like, they all know who the trainers are too so I'm yeah. already at a disadvantage like, gambling wise because they know like these trainers are better that trainer's just some little kid who has one rooster he's just not gonna win you yeah know? Um, <sighs> I I followed the Rolf conversations um I mean, so yeah. people know that's how I met you too I had Rolf on um, I think you recorded like in that apartment where the party was right. You did yeah, one with him, yeah. yeah. Done with him there. Um, like again, like just probably because I pestered him enough. Like he was gracious enough to like do yeah. one for me. Um, 
So you touched on this in the recap, but can you talk about, because this was like an ongoing thing where it's like, he's like, yeah, I've never done psychedelics. And you're like, okay, I'm going to get you to do mushrooms. I'm going to get you. And then you like, without going into much depth, alluded to the fact that you got him to do mushrooms. Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't talked to me about it yet fully. He just really? Did it. He said he wants to do a podcast about it and tell me his experience, but he hasn't really said everything about it. <laughs> it wasn't in a, in a city though. Like you were... I don't know where. I think he did. Might have done. Oh, he didn't do it with you. No. Oh. No, we were going to, and then something happened, and then we couldn't do okay. it together. Um, he did it with his buddy, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't talk to him yet about it. Okay. Yeah, some shit came up with business, and I couldn't. I know he's in Indonesia, and like you can get him in Indonesia. Yeah. You yeah. Can. You can. I took mushrooms in Indonesia on Lombok. We found yeah. like some, just enough. In the Gilis, yeah, like right next to Lombok. Yeah, yeah they just have them. And you're like, all right. Yeah. They're almost nothing. Uh. Uh-huh. Yeah, in Thailand, in, in, in uh, Pai, all these elephant farmers. I didn't go there. What? I didn't get to go there. Yeah. yeah. It's cool, but you need a group. Otherwise, it's real boring and lonely. Really? Yeah. Um, but if you get a good group, then you're like, then it's great. But um, yeah, all the elephant farmers, they saw these travelers coming in, looking over their fucking dung piles. Yeah. And then they figured out what it was. And then they're like, yeah, sure, they don't care. you know. And then at some point, they're like, oh, no, we can actually make money off this. So they just start harvesting their own mushrooms off the elephant patties. And then it's selling mushrooms. Yeah. Another income source. Like this thing that was already, it just grows off shit. So they're like, yeah, it's just free money. Yeah, everybody would talk about pie as like the, the hippie town in Thailand. Yeah, or that's of, what they call it's it. It's become like, it's, the word's out. So it's no longer quite the hippie town. Now it's more like for a bunch of white people to eat falafel and, and get, you know, torn up on mopeds. Yeah, it's like the Bourdain effect, right? Like as soon as, uh, even out in like San Francisco and stuff, like the places that he... Yeah, once they talk about it as a yeah, restaurant, then it's like... Now it's a line and like... Yeah. And the, the experience was, like, if you go to, like, I don't know, if I'm telling somebody here, looks like Jon Snow, um, where to go for pizza, it's like Ben's or Joe's, you know? But let's say I said Joe's. Uh-huh. It's good, you know? And then the... Wor- but it's only good because you can wait five minutes or less and you'll have a hot slice of pizza. Yeah. It's not worth an hour wait. Yeah. You know, it's just a New York slice. So, like then it's no longer worth it. Or they'll know that everyone's packing the place, like that um, Anchor Bar, whatever they invented, the um, Buffalo Wings in Buffalo. Okay, yeah. It ain't the best ones. They just invented them there. And then everyone else like got better recipes and got bigger wings. Yeah. And so, But it's like mobbed. And you're like, it's not the best one. Yeah. It was for like seven, eight years, in the very beginning, when it was the only one. Yeah, and I like I sound like I'm complaining a lot, but that's also like the so just find new ones. Yeah, just find the exactly. your own favorite yeah. you know, place. There's other places. Yeah, you mentioned it before, but kind of like um, not going places with a set itinerary. Yeah, yeah. Like, Where it's like I'd like to try that Joe's Pizza, but if I'm up uptown and they're like, oh, there's a great pizza here, I'm like, okay, let me try that. Yeah, you got to be open to like ignoring your your plans. Yeah. Yeah, you can have some itinerary. I had two things I wanted to do in Asia, and I did one of the two things. Really? Yeah. It was Bagan and um, Halong Bay. Okay, yeah, Halong Bay, sweet. Yeah, I was like, I should see those, and I just never got to yeah. northern Vietnam, and I got to Myanmar right away, so it was like, yeah, I just didn't do it. <laughs> but it didn't matter because new things came up. Exactly. Um I wanted to ask you about this. So I, I talked about this a little with Rolf. I don't think he was the right guy for it. You asked Rollins, I think, mm-hmm. about like women on the road and like yeah. form relationships and things like that. And he, uh, he's a, a bit of an odd guy in that he's respect, I guess, guy, where yeah. he's like very uh, 
sort of isolated, I think. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that and sort of like the... What did you do? Did you get laid while you were traveling? Of course. I mean, yeah. yeah. And but But there's the weird thing, like the spectrum of like relationships in Southeast Asia, like where you see like the super old guy with the super young woman. Like oh, there's a that? lot of weird shit. Cambodian sex sex bars and shit like that. Yeah. Um, make sure that's not the thing I'm doing. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll rap when you need to rap. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, we got plenty of time. Um, yeah, it's just weird sex industry. I went looking in Cambodia for just, you know how Rolf talks about flaneur? <sighs> This thing that they do in, in, in France where you just like, you travel for the sake of traveling and not to get anywhere. Okay. So you walk around the city and he tells the students, walk around the city and follow a color. Oh, he might have said this in Souvenir maybe. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. Did. Yeah. Um, he said it to me, maybe on podcast, maybe in person. Okay. I don't know. But like, um, you, you go for whatever reason. So like, I don't know, go you know, follow a bird or follow a color is a nice one because then it's like really, let's say around New York, I always picture it because like go out, follow red, all right? There's red across the street. Go there, down, look left and right. Oh, there's another red sign that way. So, you just, so now you're just going. It doesn't really matter where you're going because you're just exploring the streets. Um, um, wait, what was the question? Relationships and the spectrum of them. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I forgot completely, I think. Well, I mean, because it can get slippery, like, real quick. Because, like, you represent a lot of things to people. And, like, one of them is, like, money and affluence and, like, maybe yeah, a way out. None of those people knew me. No, no, not not you are. You yeah. is, like, uh, American guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 I know what we're talking about. Oh, so I decided one day, and I was doing some of this stuff before I talked to Rolf about it, and I was trying to find music. Okay. I just wanted to see some music. Um, and so I, that was my goal for the day, like find some live music. And so I, I, I looked up a, a bar that had music and I, I went, like, that's only on Tuesdays. I'm like, fuck, I walked 35 minutes to get here. All right. Yeah. I'm like, do you know anything else? Like, maybe this. And you walk. So you find some tuk-tuk drivers. And I'm like, do you know any live music? And you try to explain to them what you mean by live music. You know, what I wanted to do was, you know, in Thailand, there's this real culture of like, they're playing cover songs. Yeah. You know, and they have like, all over really Southeast really Asia. Good. Yeah. yeah. And they play on guitar. They play like uh, Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Like they'll do their whole albums. And it's like, it's cool. And you sit in some bar with a tree in the middle of it. Yep. You know, and just drink some beers and listen to music. And I, I get some writing done too. Just take notes or writing in my journal, like catching up for the last few days. I try to, I try to do one per day, but I, 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 I'd lose it. So I'm like, let me do the last like three or four days, you know, of stuff that happened. Um, and it got me thinking because you'd have this somebody playing and you could sit and watch and listen for a while and then your mind goes and you, it's okay to sit by yourself, you know? So I was looking for music. And eventually they're like, yeah, there's a place, Sharky's. I was like, sure, okay, take me there. And I went and it was like a, a straight, like lame, like beach cover like mm. stuff. And it was just a bunch of dudes. And I wanted like something mellow or like local, like real music. Like like Cambodian music, you know, two string guitar or something. Um, but this is just like playing cranberries and Guns N' Roses yeah. and like oh, like with a little band with like karaoke. But it was a sex club, and there was all these old dudes, only old white Whoa, dudes, yeah. only with young Cambodian women or young Cambodian men. Yeah, you know, probably four or five to one, 
you know, Whoa. men took, I mean, women hookers to male hookers, but there's plenty oh, of, okay. of that. But it was only dudes like older than 50 yeah. with smiles on their faces. They had given up all the responsibility of dealing with chicks in, here in America. And they're just like, I'm here for the sex. This chick, I don't care. I don't need her to be loyal. She's loyal tonight. And it's fun. And we're all hanging out. It's not just about the sex. It's also about having a good time. So we're having a good time with these other expats. And I'm going to go home and go fuck this hooker. Yeah. You know, who I know now. You know, maybe some of those guys end up sending like 500 bucks a month back to her. And they have like a few of those guys on, on the hook. Yeah. Um, but it's just a different kind of thing than here. And it's weird that I'm sitting there watching it like, what is this? And so that got me into something that I wasn't looking for. That's the cool thing about Florida. It gets you into a different, you know, thing that yeah. like you weren't even going for. But like you're really just going for anything. So that got me to there. And I was like, wow, that's a part of Cambodia is this sex industry, you know? The old man's sex, it's a legit part of Cambodia now, especially Phnom Penh and like, you know, uh, and there's other cities like that too, you know, for sure, Thailand. Yeah. Bangkok, I mean, for sure, it's so fucking dirty with that shit. There was just, I was in uh, Indonesia for the, like the, it's like the Indonesian Olympics, uh, the, Indo the Asian Olympics, the ASEAN yeah. Games. Okay. Uh, ASEAN Games, the Asian Games. And like the entire, um, I think it's the entire Japanese team for like one of the male sports like went to like the whorehouses in like the Japanese part of Jakarta and like oh, really? got like thrown out of the Asian <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's everywhere, man. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, that's normal for everybody too. I mean, they would start talking after Grindr came out, um, the app for gay yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Olympics became just a fuckathon. Really? Because every gay athlete, I mean, all the, the figure skaters and like especially uh, the, the more gay predominant like sports. Yeah. Um, a lot, especially in countries where they can't do it, they're not really allowed to do it. Now they're free of yeah. Russian rules or of you know Egyptian rules. Yeah. And I'm just here in Olympic Stadium, and there's all these these other athletes that also want to fuck, and they're just like on grinder all day, and it just Dude, becomes. A fuck. I've never heard this. Oh yeah, the whole place smelled like AIDS. <laughs> oh no, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the the, the the heteros started doing it too. You know, once they moved from grinder to like Tinder. You know, we were playing hetero people were catch up all in terms of apps. Tinder's Gay a thing overseas too. Instantly, and Tinder became like five years later. Like, wait, can we do something like that? And gays like, we don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Do whatever the fuck you want. Um, and so then it's the same sort of thing. You know, you can find someone to fuck who's going to be gone. Yeah, that's the thing about like again, like in Brunei, like there's no premarital sex. Mm -hmm. um, there's no nothing, but like the royal family. Does everything. So they have these parties. Wow. Right, uh, this is like, I don't know if there's like international libel laws, but um, their government goes after people. But like, really? I met a guy. Uh, uh, One of their higher ups. So I know people who like know the, the princes, we'll say, right? Um, and the royal family like... Like the one of the princes is gay, and like you're not allowed to be gay under Sharia law, or like the there's like the the what the hell is his name? What the hell they call the king? Whatever they call him. Like his brother was like embezzling money, and like they they have these crazy parties with like Mariah Carey and shit, and like oh, yeah. the country like is gonna run out of money when the oil runs out. So it's like there's all this crazy corrupt shit, and anything that you want to do, people do like sort of under the surface. Hmm. It's just not. I mean, you've seen when you travel, yeah. like in places where you can't do things, the things happen. It's the same as here, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess Ronald says he doesn't like really try to hook up on the road, but to me, it's like after you've been gone for a while, you meet some traveler that you, you hit it off with. Mm. Um, 
I had some chicken in Thailand and it was just like, yeah, we had a great time and it was like, I'm going soon and she's going soon and we're not going to the same place. You could do the thing where you're like, let's go together somewhere and change your plans. But I was like, I had somewhere else I wanted to go and it wasn't on her radar. And then it's like, I don't know, we got two days. Yeah. We both know we're going in. You got two days. So let's speed shit up. Let's find our own private room in a hostel or, or get a hotel for 30 bucks. Well, that's also the cool. What's cool about like the unplugging thing is like anything traditional now is like out the window. So even like a traditional form of like relationship or whatever. And your number is like what number? I don't have a number. What's that? Some of them have like WhatsApp or yeah. Facebook, but then it's like, then it's like, uh, okay, I don't know when I can get on there to. Yeah, I, so it's just like there's no there's no getting to know. It's like let's go. Mm. I'm never gonna see you again. I'm not gonna be in New Zealand for who many, how many years? Yeah. So I'm. It, this is it. Have you done New Zealand? No. Damn. No, I almost did. Oh, whatever. Yeah, almost, but yeah. no. Um, so you, you have like a very public life, right? Uh-huh. For um, sure. Yeah, for sure. Where's sort of like the line in, because you, you started to mention something in the recap and then you were just like, oh shit, like no, I'm, that one's, that one's just for me. Like what's, what is that line? Like you don't have to say what that story was, but like what is sort of off limits to... Oh, uh, my line is like, if it's going to affect someone's financial mm. or like, like I'm not going to talk about you cheating on your wife right. publicly because it's like, oh, that's going to fuck up your life. Yeah. That's not just going to get you like some, some people being mad at you. That's going to fuck up your life. Uh-huh. Or saying like, um, I don't, you embezzle from your work. It's going to get you fired. Okay. You know what I mean? Like those are things like... That's always my thing with pranks. It's like you can do whatever you want to people as long as you don't physically or monetarily hurt them. You know, the physical monetary hurt has to be on myself. Okay. Playing the prank. I can pay for stuff, but I can't charge you to play a prank. I can make it where you get water on you and you're cold. Or urine. Yeah, or urine. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. But like that doesn't hurt you. Yeah. You know, in any real way. It's correctable to the point where it's as if it never happened. But those monetary and physical things or your wife leaving you, those are not correctable. Okay. You know, so I think that's fair. Those are my lines. Yeah. Um, um, so if it was something like that, if it was a story about me and you going out and fucking hookers and, and I know your wife, I'm just going, I'm just saying me and my buddy. Mm. I'm not going to say. Your I name got you. Because it's just, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's my line. Yeah. When you, you like, you talked about doing that tour through, through China. Yeah. Um, and you talked a lot about in the recap about like your, oh, your, oh, your oh, love so of, in terms tr- of what I wasn't saying and, and that stuff. It's like, that was like a personal story between me and my friend. And I was like, you know what? I don't want anybody knowing this. I just want okay. me and my friend having this fun thing by ourselves. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. When you are doing comedy in, so like a place like China, yeah. right? All um, expats. Is the audience. Ah, okay. Bangkok is 60-40 expats to locals. They spoke more English. Um, Australia, obviously, is like all um, foreigners. Mm. All Australians, I mean. Yeah. Um, no expats or very few expats. Um, in Through Europe, it's very few expats, and it's just English-speaking, you know, Belgians or English-speaking Germans. Uh, there's plenty of expats in Berlin just because it's such a fucking worldly city. Um, and by expats, just so your listeners know, that doesn't mean Americans. It means none right. of that country. So it's Irish and Italians and Germans and wherever. Australians are everywhere out there. Australians are yeah. everywhere. They're a fucking virus. Um, <laughs> that Bogan episode you did was, was really good too, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, China was, it was like, I think I had like 
until Hong Kong. Hong Kong, you got locals. They all speak English. Okay. China, though, and the mainland China. You don't have to like tailor content to sort of like to uh, their just understanding. The audience. So the only thing you had to tailor to is a lot of times these are business people and mm, bankers. Okay. You know, London bankers are different than London drug addicts. You know? True. So like the type of audience I would do in London is not the bankers. Mm. But the London people in Hong Kong are like suit people. And suit people don't yeah. like blowjob jokes as much as, you know, English teachers in Korea do. <laughs> you know, runaways. Yeah. They're like, they're down for anything. Okay. Um, so in terms of that, I have to tailor it. But same thing here. If I'm going to somewhere in, in Long Island, it's a, a slightly different show than here in Manhattan. Really? Slightly different show than Kansas City. They're just not as worldly in different places. They don't quite get everything. Mm. You can, you can, like here, if you're a gay comedian, you can just mention, like, a, a woman can mention her girlfriend without, without it being a, a thing. Mm. But in, like, Nashville or Kansas City, it becomes like a, wait, what? It's like, it, you have to pause for a second and let them, like, catch up to you because that's not as normal there as it is here. Okay. They're LA, New York, Chicago. It's like gay is like, fuck, who gives a fuck? Right. It's not special. Yeah. And, but, you know, in Omaha, it is special, you know? <sighs> so there's like, things like that in these other countries, but that's about it. You only. just get that through experience? You just get it through experience. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you, f you can feel a crowd, too. It's like, oh, I'm too dirty. This crowd's a little less dirty. Really? And sometimes I'll go try to punish them, like, fuck off. I'm getting more dirty now because I don't care about you. And other times I'm like, nah, you didn't do anything wrong. I'll be a little cleaner. Yeah. You know? I saw you perform around the corner um, when you were doing, like, I don't know if you still do, like, the Sunday nights. Um, was it last year? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just uh, trying to get ready for this tour. Okay. But when you did Rolf's thing, uh -huh. like, some of those stories were, like, kind of shitty. Um, what's, what's Rolf's thing? The storyteller stuff for Souvenir. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you came on there and you just, like, crushed it. Oh, like yeah. a, <laughs> I mean, I'm a professional No, no, no. But still, it was like... Uh, he was like, I think I might put you on last. I'm like, oh, if yeah. I would definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not to, to my own horn, but, like... This yeah. is what I do. This is crazy. If we're going to have a free throw contest, Michael Jordan should go at the end of yeah. that contest. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Let's not even say Michael Jordan. Let's say fucking Vince Carter. You know what I mean? I'm not saying right. I'm the best. I'm <laughs> saying I'm, I'm a professional and those yeah. people are not. Yes, yeah, one or two of them were okay. Yeah, were th that like, poet was kind of cool, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking of. Some of them were bad, though. Um, yeah, they don't know how to speak. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. It took me years and years and years before I got good enough. So it's not like shitting on them. Yeah. It just takes a long time to be able to speak publicly and fun. Can you trace back because um, in it, like the love of travel, there's also like a clear love of stories, like whether comedy or just good stories. Can you trace back where in your life that comes from? What? Like your interest in storytelling. Uh, it comes from seeing comics do it. Ralph mm -hmm. May. Um, Jay Larson, different people like telling stories. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I can tell those too. I mean, I've always told stories. I think it's part of like Jewish culture too. Is like storytelling. Yeah. But not like comedic storytelling, just like storytelling. It's like oral traditions, like going all yeah, the way maybe back stuff to like, like that. Yeah. A lot of the Talmud is like stories of things that you that you glean. I mean, the Torah too is like, you know, Abraham took Isaac up on a thing. It's like a little story. And he had to kill him, but then the ram came out. It's, it's not just like when they talk about how to build the temple, it's like not stories. Mm. This should be this many amot long, uh, this many uh, uh, units of measurement long. This should be this high. You need, you know, this many much water in there. That's not a story at all. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, Jacob's brothers 
selling him into slavery in Egypt and him living in this, in this prison. And then he gets the, the pharaoh, the king's uh, on his side by telling him something. It's like, that's a story. It's part of that tradition. It's like, you know, it's just in there. So that, I guess, it was always there. But then I was seeing comedians do it with like fun, actually new things. I'm like, whoa, it's so cool. And also doing it myself off stage, and then just slowly transitioning to on stage, which is just need more jokes. That's all. Those Tel Aviv uh, shows that you did recently—that was was that the first time you performed there? Yeah, one Tel Aviv, one Jerusalem, storytelling show in Tel Aviv, and then, a, and then my own hour in Jerusalem. How does your own hour go over? Okay, a little weird, just because like all that shit that I was doing over there next door. Um, there was a lot of exposition in there, and I punch up the exposition to make mm-hmm. it entertaining. But like they didn't need any of the exposition. Okay. So a lot of my shit, uh, I'm trying to think if I'm trying to do a bit about something even about a, uh, how to drive to someone who's never driven or seen a car. Oh man. Okay. You know, it's different than how I'm doing a bit to you about how to drive. Yeah. You no. Know. So if I'm doing a bit to someone who's never seen a car, like I am about Judaism, mm-hmm. there, um, the equivalent is okay. You got to get this key. You carry these keys on you at all times, even when you're not driving. It's part of your house keys and stuff like that. And they have this little hole, and you put this key into the hole and turn it, and that pops this thing open, and now the door's unlocked. Yeah. You know, and then you make jokes about that. So I put all my jokes in that stuff. But if I told you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know how to get in the car. Do jokes about driving. So it was yeah. weird in Jerusalem, just because it was like, oh uh, yeah, we know. What's your point of it, though? Uh, and, like, I wasn't sure if, like, people would be taking offense. No, or, no offense. Uh, it wasn't that. I get occasionally Jews get offended at it, but generally they're, like, way into it. Um, or they're worried about, like, possible anti-Semitism. Mm. But th- they don't think it's anti-Semitic. They're just like, what if this increases it later? That's really mostly the only fear. Once in a while I'll get an offended person, but not much. I'm not looking for, like, a political statement, but did you get to, like, witness or talk to anyone about like Israel-Palestine stuff when you were there? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, my cousin, once removed, my cousin's kid, just got out of Special Forces. Wow. And he's at Hebrew University, which is like a secular college there in grad school. And um, he's now started meeting Arabs, you know, and like in a friendly way, um, instead of seeing them as this enemy. And so he's kind of like, it's this weird secular part of Israel now that's like, yeah, they're just like us, what they live in like fucking hovels in some parts, you know? Um, and like, what have they done? But at the same time, they understand the fear. Like, there was a story they told of like, so people come over the border in, in the Palestinian-Israeli border and they guard that border and those are terrorists, you know, they gotta like stop them. But most of the people that come over, this is what I learned now, I didn't even consider this. Most of the people, not even like 60%, I mean like 98%, just looking for work. Same as the Mexicans coming over the border here, you know? Yeah. So they're looking for something that, I mean, they can't be there, but like, they're not looking to do any damage. They're just looking to do some farming, you know? And then they're going to go back. So when they get caught, it's like, they're not the enemy, you know? The way to translate it to Trump, MS-13, the one, we got to stop them from coming over because they're going to hurt us. Right. The other one's like, no, 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 we have like trade stuff set up. You can't just come over and work, but we're not going to try to kill you. Right. We just send you back. And then the really bad ones, like, don't, no, no matter what, don't let them get in. Same thing there. So they had, they had this guy, like, the, the deal is you sit on your ass. You have a gun on you. I'm an Israeli. I have a gun on you. You came over the border. You're captured. Like, sit on your fucking ass while we deal with this. And then one guy was like, I don't want to get my trousers dirty. And then he's like, huh. And he could see that. This is probably a guy who's just here to get work. He doesn't want to get his trousers dirty by sitting on the ground on his butt. 
And his buddy was like, sit on the fucking ground or I'll knock you in the head with my gun, you know, with the butt of my gun. Whoa. Because the problem is, if it is a terrorist, the difference between crouching and sitting on your ass is you get stabbed to death or you don't. Yeah. So it's not as simple as like, hey, they're mostly looking for work. It's like, but we still got to go through these regulations because the regulations are based on the worst of them. So, yeah, most people there just want peace and don't want to fucking deal with any of it. Yafo is like an Arab part of Tel Aviv. Totally fine and beautiful. What goes into like who and when you record when you're overseas? Because that to me sounds like something like you should have, oh. like that would have been a great conversation. Um, yeah, it's also what they can let out. Mm. That probably would have been interesting actually. But more, I, a lot of times I'm just like, I'm just going to experience this and not stop. You know, okay. not stop and like do an interview. I'd rather just like hear and be in the moment. You know, something's like, I don't want to lose this by like recording. Hello. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? And then sometimes it's just like annoying to have to take my thing out. Also, sometimes those people, they're like, I can't, I can't talk about this publicly like that. Assuming my friends are like going to write me off if I say like, eh, Arabs aren't that bad. It's kind of like here when you want to be like, eh, I don't think Louis C.K. was as bad as people are making it out to be. But like the, 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 the risk, I'm fine. I'm, I'm immune to it. But like the risk is, oh shit, what if they all turn on me? So it's not worth it to like open up and say my real views. Right. You know? It's like that there. They're like, oh, I'll talk to you personally, but I'm not going to be in an interview about this. Okay, that's fair. I, I wanted to ask you this too, and um, I forgot earlier. Your, your sort of like uh, relationship with like your own celebrity. Um, and maybe like... What do you mean? I start off, I know. Uh, let me, let me uh, try to clarify. So even like, um, uh, again, from like the recap, right? Who, who was the sponsor you lost? Um, ZipRecruiter. Yes, the ZipRecruiter. But even like, uh, what's it called, Blue Chew? Uh-huh. Yeah, even that is very much, um, like, I'll do this read, but, like, it almost feels like I don't really give a fuck if, like, you jump off my team here. Like, oh, I'm yeah. still going to do and say what I want when I want. Well, yeah, I've just made a decision about, like, you're either a free comic or you're not a free comic. And so the money, it's the problem with money and politics, you know? It doesn't necessarily mean just because you're getting donations from this group that you'll, you know, scratch their back back. Mm. But it's way more likely. So I just am very clear about like it ain't gonna change who I am, and I don't mind if you like stop giving me that money. In politics, the problem is like if I if I'm a if I donate to your campaign to become president, and I'm a massive corporation who does that, um, and so like you got to give me favors now, and if you don't, I can withhold that money give it to your other candidate, effectively firing you as president. At the end of your four years, I'm like, you're fired now because I don't give you the money you need to reelect yourself. Right. And so then you're like, well, I have to do favors for you. That's why they say the second term um, presidents are the only ones that can do anything because they're like, I'm out either way, so you don't owe me. But they still owe you just because of a favor. You did all this favor for me. It makes me want to like, like help you back. Anyway, with that shit, I'm like, very clear in my head like it'll never affect how I do anything and even if I'm not going to be rude or whatever that could be fine too but like if I want to get like offensive in a read like I have to be able to do it and so once you're like oh I don't want you to be in this I'm like nah I do that with comedy shows too They're like we need you to be clean I'm like no nah, forget it I'm like you're going to be clean anyway I'm like but now that you've told me now I'm thinking about it so I'm not doing the show book someone else my thing is you book me to be funny and that's it 
Do you have to work to that point though? Like, cause is there a point like, um, yeah, if I couldn't, we have to eat the living, shit. Like yeah, if I wasn't making a living, I couldn't afford to do that. Yeah. I can't afford to do that if I'm making eight grand a year. Right. I'd have to. And then once you're making a living, then you can say no to anything, especially once you make a good living. I mean, I saw Frank Thomas do this where he was, his contract came up in, in Chicago, the White Sox. Uh-huh. And he just very publicly said, I'm going to be re-signing here. And he goes, I know my agents don't like me saying that, but my kids are here. I love this town. I'm the fucking MVP here. And I don't have any intention of going anywhere. And he said, there's, I don't, he goes, I don't think people can understand this. There's no difference in my life between 12 million a year and 20 million a year. It's the same life. Mm. You know, way, way later, it's going to be different. Those 8 million a year extra. But like, if you're making 200 grand a year and you're making 300 grand, what's the difference in your life? You know, a slightly bigger house, but like house, you know, car. What's the difference if you have a new Civic or a new fucking Lamborghini? You know what I mean? It's just like a little nicer. But What do you think from your life has given you that perspective? Because that's definitely like that mindset an anomaly towards. Yeah, failure, long-term failure uh. mixed with mushrooms to where you see everything clearly. And it's like, oh, I'm a comic. This is great. But you have to accept failure for so long. So now any benefit is like, whoa, look at that. Mm. I have a headline gig. So when I did China, my agent was like, this is going to be way less money than you make. You know, they don't have the cash to like do real things. And just to get you out, the flight to China is way more expensive than the flight to Chicago. Right, obviously. You yeah. know? So like you, oh, right there, all this money is gone from your possible take. Right. But then I looked at the money. I was like, um, this is more money than I was making three years ago. For the same 17 day, so it's like it's mm. fine, you know. I mean, I'm still like this is great, you know. So is it fair to say that you've like sort of crafted out like the yeah, life intentionally that- crafted out a life so I can be completely free as an artist and like, yeah. but I've done that very intentionally. Yeah. Um, and then also same thing with a life instead of just like not just as a performer but as a life. It's like, well, I saw like as I'm getting bigger. I'm like, oh, I see my friends or people like Louie and Rogan who like have lost their anonymity. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I better start hitting music festivals now. Because if you're gacked out on acid at a music festival and you're a nobody, no big deal. People look, maybe look at you and laugh and keep going. Right. If you are Hannibal Burris doing that, everyone's taking pictures. Yeah. You know, and ru- kind of ruining it for you. So it's just not nearly as fun. So I'm like, let me get this shit done now before it might get too big. Yeah, I get to see, um, again, I get to like be in worlds that I don't belong in. So I get to like, I've, through this, I've had to talk to like, you know, like for the first time, like managers and things like that and assistants uh, and shit like yeah. that. But I've been in places where people have, uh, whatever you want to call it, a, a celebrity, right? So I won't use his name, but I was at um, uh, MMA function and like there was a fighter there, like clearly trying to get laid. It was a bar mm-hmm. and like he's hitting on this chick pretty hard and like every other guy's coming up to him. And saying like, "Hey, can I get a picture with you?" And like, yeah. sort of like taking so it annoying. before you even. Yeah. And it's like, man, like clearly this man's working on something here. Like, I know. Um, is is I mean, does is that a prevalent thing in your life? Yeah, it no? happens. I see it happen to other people. I'll, I'll never go up to a celebrity and ask for a picture. Yeah. I've seen it too much. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be like in the middle of a of a word. I'll just feel a tap on my shoulder. Like what? Like it's just kind of. And it's like, hey man, can I get? I'm just like, oh my god, I'm talking to a yeah. human. If I was your, like, I remember doing this at, at my first year of college where I was talking, same thing, conversation like this. One of my other friends, not celebrities, my other friends, like, Ari, I need to be like, I'm sorry, 
is what you're saying, I remember being so mad at him, it's like, is what you're saying for sure more important than what we were already saying? Uh-huh. If there's a fire, then for sure. <laughs> Otherwise, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Why would you interrupt what we're saying to have what you're saying? This is already going on. And he was like, no, I just want to know if you're going to the party. I was like, yeah, then shut the fuck up and I'll be done with this conversation or wait for a quiet moment. And people forget that with celebrities. Oh, it's hilarious what they do with them. Yeah. It's... It sucks. It's dehumanizing. On the reverse of that, though, mm-hmm. like... Um, yeah, again, they want their picture. Well, I was, <laughs> was going to say, like, again, like, I, I pestered you, right? Um, which I do, because, like, a lot of people don't know who I am. Yeah. Um, but I've been ghosted, like, really badly to where, like, I'm in another state and I've organized all of this around us recording. You've agreed to everything and then no show. Like, big people. Like, Meh. And I had someone advice, like, maybe this is unfair to say, but, because um, he didn't say it to me directly. He said it to, like, our fixer or whatever. Um, like, yeah, I'm not going to do it unless he's got, like, a hundred million, uh, unless he's got a million followers. Yeah. And it's like, what the, what the fuck? Well, I know what that is. That's just a question of, like, his time is valuable. He doesn't really want to do an interview. Yeah. And, and if it's Lady Gaga, it's like, you can get another thousand listeners. You know, she's like, yeah, that doesn't, I played a 50,000 yeah. every night. But it wasn't Lady Gaga. No, I'm saying yeah. at a certain level. I just like to use extremes because they can show like, okay. and at some point it's like, this is beneath what's worth it for me to not hang out with my girlfriend today. Yeah, for sure. I and get to that. Go to, I'm on the road all the time or whoever this is. Yeah. You know, they're on the road traveling, playing music everywhere. And then it's like, they have four days at home. And it's like, oh, I don't want to meet up with somebody. Mm-hmm. Or, like, people ask me for podcasts when I'm on the road. I'm like, actually, no, man, I just want to relax. Or I just want to have some barbecue while I'm in Austin. I don't want to have to make plans. Yeah. And I might be open, but I don't, it's not worth, like, we have 100 listeners. I was like, I got 50 bucks. You don't like 50 bucks? I'm like, of course I like 50 bucks, but right. not as much as I liked it 10 years ago. Right, right, right. And so, I'd, no, I'd That's rather just fair. go see a movie. I might go see a movie with some locals. I don't know. That's fair. But I wouldn't, once I, personally, once I make the plans, then it's like, yeah, I got to go through with it. Yeah. I just wouldn't make the plans. Yeah. Also, they don't know, like, I'm only in this town because you said you just interview. They don't picture that. So they don't really know how rude they're being. Yeah, and I try to be, like, re- reflective on it. Um, but it, it's it's definitely sucks. Also, a like, lot of them are assholes. Being in another place, and, like, then they just don't show. And you're, yeah, like, a lot of them are just complete assholes. But that's yeah. the thing. I remember going, this is what I learned early on, like, in my life, when I had a haircut appointment with Fred the Barber. He must be dead now. But, like, uh, <laughs> I didn't show up. My dad came home and was like, why don't you... You didn't go to the Fred? I thought you had an appointment. And I was, and my parents gave me money for, for barbers at the time. It was 10 bucks plus $2 tip. Um, and I was like, nah, I didn't have time. He goes, did you call and cancel? I was like, nah. He goes, well, he was waiting for you. Mm. He could have had another appointment. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. He goes, okay, well, you owe him 12 bucks. And he's like, I'm not paying. That's coming out of your money now. Whoa. you got to go down there and give him the 12 bucks for this missed appointment. He could have made another appointment and made the 12 bucks. But because you were such an asshole and didn't even bother calling, he's waiting for you. And he might have had somebody on the wait list and like, come on. I have. But it's like, you can't do that to someone. Yeah. This is a lesson learned. Just call and cancel. You know, don't just fucking make somebody wait. They're human. Celebrities are garbage people, though. They're garbage. They are. You know they are. You deal with them all the time, Liz. <laughs> you know they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I get the, again, like I, so like one of them I was out in, in Hawaii and it's like everything's set up except for the time. Yeah. And like time comes. It happened here in New York too, actually. Um, but like time set up, time goes, like I'm out there like an asshole. Um, 
So I, I get to, in a small way, see like both sides of it. Yeah, yeah. And some of it too is like, let's just to defend them. It's like they're like, I don't know. I thought I wrote it down. I didn't write it down. I got way more shit going yeah. on than anyone can imagine. You know, when I started getting bigger, I started getting more and more emails. It was like, ah, uh, like I, can't, I literally can't return all these. And I remember thinking when I was small, like asking like, I think Patton Oswalt to do my storytelling show and he didn't write back. And I was like really mad. I was like, you can at least fucking write back. And yeah. then a few years later, when I'm still way smaller than Patton Oswalt was, I was like, oh yeah, you just, you just don't have time to write back to everybody. You just skim, skim, skim. You see like some big, oh, I got it. This producer wrote me. I got to write him back. My agent, I got to write them. And then just like, ah, oh, I'll get back. Ah, maybe if I have time later, I'll write back. And then you forget about it. Yeah. So some of it's that too. That's fair. Yeah. But I know it sucks. Your two places for this year. My what? Your oh. two places for this year. Um, yeah, I don't know yet. Uh, I had one in mind. Where was I going to be that I was like, I could for sure do that. Yeah, I was so worried about not getting them in this year, two, two new countries. But then I got five right at the end. I got Ooh. Egypt at the end and I got... Jordan, huh? Jordan, yeah. yeah. That was for a day. I won't even really count that. Oh, uh, Austria and Croatia were bonus ones early. You went to the Croatian coast? Yeah. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah, it was great. Um, I don't know, maybe Peru. But there's somewhere else I had in mind to go actually this year. I have plans set up. I'm trying to think. I had one place that I was like, for sure that. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking Peru, but I don't know. If I've taped a special in October, then I'm like, I'll have November, December off. And I can just get lost again. Would you ever do the long-term thing again? Yeah, for sure. So like when people ask me, people thought after that Rollins thing, they're like, oh, he got in your head. That's why you left. And I was like, no, I already had it. Yeah. The only thing I could tell people is if you listen to that, and he's like, oh, I'm playing uh, LA in December. You can come see my show. I wanted to see his show. And I was like, I'm not going to be around oh. in December. Because I was like... In my head already, it was like, I'm going to be gone. Yeah. Um, and it was inspiring, but I'm like, I'm already planning this to do something. You know, he just gave me some tips on how to do it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Next time I take a special, like, I think that's what I'll do. Because I have this thing I can't do out there on the road, stand up. I do this a bit? 10, 10, 12 times a week. Oh, okay, okay. So I yeah. can't do it. I can do it once in a while if I really wanted to, but not as much. Right. To really get lost, you have to be somewhere for a show they sold tickets to. Yeah. You know, you can't just be like, I'm going to this city instead of that city. Like, well, you're going to get back here tomorrow because you have to be here. So, um, but even just do workout sets and stuff, I can't do it. But after I take a special, it's like, well, I got to start with my new hour. I can start in five months. It's not interrupting anything if it hasn't started yet. Yeah, that's when I think I'll go after I'm done with this it, next one. Is the special going to be Netflix again? Uh, maybe. Who knows? Okay. But so yeah. you have to shop it. Yeah. I had a gift back in June. So right huh. now the gift is in one of three places. So at some point, I don't know, at some point in New York or somewhere on the road, just I'm leaving tomorrow, I'll get you this gift. But I went to, um, a couple years ago I went to Kenya. Mm -hmm. And wow. my friend's like ex-boyfriend-ish works for the UN. So he has this house. It's nuts. Like it's totally fortified. So there's like panic buttons. He's got an armed hmm. guard 24-7. Um, in Kenya? In Kenya, yeah. And so we went to do a safari in the, and see the Maasai. And his like boss, I guess, at the UN was married to a Maasai chief. And um, like they're polygamists, so like he had a few wives. But uh, it was weird. Like she was a white lady and he's a Maasai guy. Um, but we went to like a village and they have like crafts and stuff. And I got this like sword. Um, 
oh, where cool. like they have cows, right? Like they drink milk and, and, and blood also like, uh, and so like the handle is like the, the, not horse hair, the, like the cow's like tail, right? And it's like super tough and they actually like forge the steel or whatever. So it's going to give you that, but I will somehow <laughs> in the future bring you that. Well, so what I was doing was like when I burned my life down, like all these episodes I was doing is I was giving everyone a travel thing I had because yeah. I was like, I, I just like literally I carry everything now and like I don't have The problem with those things is they have to have meaning to you or usefulness to you mm. to work as a gift to receive. I see. And so like the meaning is gone. If you're like, I was in... Kenya, I got this thing. It's like, that's so cool for you to have seen it. Uh-huh. But to me, it's like, I don't need a knife. Right, it's not your knives. experience. You know, give me a pipe from those places. It's cool. Yeah, you can get stuff that's useful to certain people for sure. But like, yeah, they're hard to find. So I went to I went to Israel. I got this, um, I branded Tom Rhodes there. Comedian. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he travels. Yeah, yeah, he's way more than me. He's better than me. Um, and I was going to get, you know, I get like fridge magnets and stuff places. Yeah. Just something. That's another thing, just to get me to go outside and find the way around. Oh. And then I'll and then I'll see some fridge magnets when I'm there. I'll get it. But like, really, it's to get me moving. Um, but I was at the Church of the Sepulchre. My brother. We had never been when we both lived there a long time ago. We only went to the Jewish quarters, never the uh, Christian quarter, and never, never the Arab quarter. And we're like, we're adults. Can we go? We're like, let's go now. We're not in this religion really anymore. So we're going to the Church of the Sepulchre, which is a five-minute walk from the places I went to 50 times, mm. you know? And I ran into him there, and I was like, I think I got my friend who's Christian, Steve Simone, is like a real Christian. And I was like, get him a, a, a fridge magnet from here, from this jesus place. And Tom was like, oh, no, get him a cross. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you laid this cross on the, the, the rock where they washed Jesus' feet and washed his body, and you're supposed to lay it on there, and it's supposed to like, get all this like power from that. And I was like, where do I get a cross? He goes, any of the 80 pl- souvenir places right out there. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just a piece of wood. Cross is a cross. It doesn't have to be high quality. Just hang it on the wall, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah. And that one, to me, was like, at least it had meaning to him. Not actually it had less meaning to me mm. because, like, I don't give a shit about Christianity. But to him, he's like, oh, this is a holy. Like, he can use that because I can put this up in my door, you know? But if I would get him a, like, a piece of the, I don't know, uh, like the, the Western Wall, he'd be like, "Oh, that's that's cool." I'm like, no, this is where I used to study, and I had a, and then this man came and he gave me this thing. I'm like, oh, but like the, it, it has no yeah, meaning to him. At all. all right, you're right. That's your experience. Yeah. So some people, it's like you know, I'll get them a rock from a place or a certain like super. My mom, I got him a sh- her shell from yeah from that island in East Timor from, uh-huh. from Jocko Island, but I had to tell her the story of how I got there and make it like meaningful for her. But really, it's more meaningful for me. And to be honest, I kept two shells for myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> I gave her a third, you know? Um, yeah. But if it's like a cool like thing you can actually use. I got my girlfriend's sister and brother like hookahs from Egypt. Oh. And they were like, they'll use the hookah. But if I just got them on an I Love Egypt shirt, they're like, what the fuck? That's a fair point. Yeah. But that knife sounds cool, but I don't know what I would do with it. Well, you could kill somebody. But like, right. But if I was in Kenya, I'd want one of those knives. Mm, yeah. It's a weird thing about souvenirs that way. It's just this meaning that's on them. Experience you should, meaning. You should be in Kenya at some point. I want to. I mean, Africa's for sure. I want to go there. I don't know where my two countries are going to be this year, man. I want to go to Mongolia. My friend yeah. Tom was just telling me Mongolia. There's a gig there that can get me there. And I was like, Whoa. that could be cool. There's a big comedy scene in Mongolia. Greece, also Athens, has a comedy, like a wide open comedy scene. I want to try to go to there. But 
this year is going to be mostly about touring in America. So I think what's going to happen is I record this special in October, edit it for a few weeks, so I have it ready to go, and then December, just big. I'll get my two countries then. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be somewhere before that, so I could have one down. It sucks trying to get two in in, a, in the last month. I mean, I would like I would count Jordan. I think those day things. Last year, anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. There's one day. Well, well I mean, like, like again, you saw Petra, right? I saw Petra. Yeah. It was pretty great. But I mean, it was gone. It's I was across the board at seven. I was back in by six, so eleven hours. Oh. You know, four or five of those hours is driving. And that all felt like reasonably okay, like safe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Jordan's safe. Yeah. Jordan's safe. You can look, you know. I think, like, Belize and places like that are a little more dangerous, but, like, yeah. How about, how did Israel feel? Totally safe. Oh, oh, you mean with terrorism stuff? Totally safe. Well, yeah, or even just, like, the, I don't know if you can, like, hear the conflict going on. No, like you can't. Okay. You really can't. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's like big in the news, but not big in reality. This is the um, example I use for um, um, for um, telling people how dangerous something is. I got home to America. Hey, what's happening? I haven't seen you forever. You're just talking about Israel. You are? Well, yeah. I'll call me later. I'll <laughs> Um, so he was like, tell me about some of these places, how dangerous it was. Joe Rogan's an alarmist. I'm going on the record with that. He's an alarmist. He yeah. likes to see, like, when we went to Brazil, he was like, there's a spider that can fucking eat a human whole. I was like, is that real? He goes, no, it's like a seven-hour drive away. And I was like, oh, so then that's not an issue, man. Yeah, yeah. Relax. But um, I was like, so he's like, East Timor, which is that and Myanmar are the two, I told you, like the foreignest places I've been. And he was like, was it safe? And I was like, uh, I don't know, man. There were 562 murders last year. And he was like, what? I'm like, murders. 562 murders in that country. He goes, Jesus Christ. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, fucked up. I'm sorry. That was Chicago. Yeah, I was just going to say, what yeah. about Chicago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. I'm like, but your, your, your crazy feeling, you're like, wow, it's crazy. I would never go there. That feeling you right. had about East Timor, you should now apply to Chicago. But you won't because... It just doesn't get that big news. I saw that in New York recently. It was like the first weekend in 15 years that someone hadn't been shot. It's like, really? what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, so it's all about the news will make you think like that conflict in Israel. It's not an everyday thing. It's an okay. everyday thing. When the news comes on the radio, everyone listens like, oh, someone I know gets shot. If, at least it was 20 years ago when I was there. But like, you just don't see it, see it. You know? I mean, we deal with terrorism here. We didn't used to before 2001. And now we do every once in a while. Or school shootings. But still, on a day-to-day -day level, I don't think about school shootings. I mean, you're a principal. I, maybe you did more. But I just don't think about them until I'm like, oh, here's one. And then about a week goes by, and then you stop thinking about it. That's, like, literally what I tell everyone when, like, well, is it safe? And it's like, man, I worked in Red Hook. Like, we didn't have school shootings, but, like, there were shootings down the block at, like, yeah. the, the known uh, gang house at the end of the street. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not, it's not on their minds every day that I saw. Okay. The, the bigger conflict is religious versus non-religious. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that's the day-to-day -day life conflict, you know? Like, if you were a foreigner here coming to America, you know, you came from yeah, wherever, you know, Vietnam, and you're here in America, 
And then you go back to Vietnam, like, tell me about it. Was everyone talking about like school shootings and terrorism? And they're like, no, it's weird. They were only talking about like male female issues, mm. you know, and like and like non like non aggressive hiring practices. Like what? Not the school shootings and terrorism? I'm like yeah, weird. I would have thought it'd be all about terrorism and school shooting, but yeah. it's really just about like how to ask a woman out at work. Yeah. Yeah, and be like, wow, weird. So that's the shit, man. Day to day life shit is way bigger than these big news stories. I mean, Egypt too. They had terrorism, but it's been a couple of years. My mom was like, I was worried about you. And she's like, look at this. And she showed me an article that said first terrorist attack in two years. And I was like, yeah, first one in two years. In that time in America, we've had fifty of them. So like, what's more, what's more dangerous? Yeah, and you, I mean, you do your best, like we talked about before. But it, like, you guard certain things. Like, I mean, nowadays, like, I don't know, whatever, like, country music bars and shit are getting shot up. But like, there are places where it's like not wise to be. Sure. The cops yeah. Christian church and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, I remember Matthew Shepard. How old are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you don't remember Matthew Shepard. I remember Matthew Shepard, okay. of course. Yeah. That was a gay thing in Wyoming. Yeah. I mean, you don't see that here right. in New York. Gay here is like, whatever, dude, who cares? Yeah. That's like saying you're blonde. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But there and then it mattered. I don't know. But only for one person, really. I mean, I'm sure for a lot of people, but like only one person to that level of like strung up and killed like that. Yeah, it's like I'm planning out this thing right now from Morocco and like you heard about those two girls who got like their heads, yeah. Um, and so my first thing was like, ah, maybe it's sketchy now, but it's like, all right, like you can, you, you can, can live, yeah. It's like, eh, it's not going to happen probably. So like my mom called me after this, there was a Times Square guy who like took his car and ran over a bunch of people on Times yeah, Square yeah, on remember. purpose. Yeah. She called me, I was up at, let's say 10, 30, 11. She called me at noon. She's like, oh my God, I had to talk to you. I'm like, why? She's like, I heard about that thing in Times Square. I was like, oh, well, I did, what is it? I didn't, like, I hadn't heard about it yet. I'm in this city, hadn't heard about it. Yep. And she was like, this guy ran over a bunch of people. I'm like, where? She goes, Times Square. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can stop you right there, Mom. If you hear any news about Times Square. I wasn't it, there. Yeah, it's a lame, <laughs> awful part of tourist yeah. town. It's not going to be my thing. And to be honest, even if I was there, there's about 800,000 people there a day. So for the, what, 20 that were killed, the odds yep. are so far below one-tenth of one percent that you're like... It's still, even if I was in Times Square while it was happening, not only would I probably be fine, I probably wouldn't have even seen it then. I probably would have turned the corner and like, like, so, so it's just not an issue. So these things, like people like, you gotta be careful in Morocco. It's like, I, I guess that is more than it never happening, but like, it's still not gonna happen to you. Yeah, and like, I don't want my head cut off, but I think like, if I were to die, like living by my own terms rather than like a slow death in a cubicle like oh, oh well there's that too yeah but I mean while this guy's like holding you down and about to chop your head off yeah, you I'm sure you're thinking like, like that sure cubicle would be cubicle. pretty I'm fucking sure <laughs> yeah I don't worry about it I do look at travel advisories and like tell like yeah. sort of like what is safe and what is dangerous and what is scammy you know and so if there's one that's like legit dangerous like Iran my friend goes to Iran a lot and she goes there's a couple regions Whoa. you can't go but there's 90% of the region is beautiful and you she's can not from go. There? No, she's Swedish. Whoa. Yeah, she goes, you gotta cover your hair in a lot of places. Yeah. Not to hide her blondness, but like, just because it's respectful, you can't have. It's culture, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, it makes me wanna go to Iran. Bad. You know? Um, and then you look at some of the st stories, like when you're like, oh, Iran hates Jews, and you're like, no, look at the history. That's not true. Mm. Some of these other countries hate Jews. Iran has just been anti-Zionist, but there's been plenty of Jews that live there peacefully for years and years and years. 
And you're like, oh, and you end up in your head lumping them all in, Arab countries. Right, but of course. Each country's different. Right. You know, just like Canada and America are different. They're very similar, but they're also very different. They have fully legalized marijuana, and we do not. We're close, though, so it's not the best example. I always say, like, the... So, like, Malaysia is officially Muslim. Indonesia is not, but it's, like... It's the most Muslims. Muslims. Right. Yeah. Um, Brunei. Like, these are the places where, like... Like, Brunei... But it ain't that kind of Arab. It right. ain't that kind of Muslim, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You but know? but so welcoming. I mean, Yeah, like, so you got to look a little bit yeah. at, like, the travel advisories. So, like, but I don't... You, I didn't, so, Indonesia is, a, a, the, I think, the biggest Muslim country. Yeah. The most Muslims. Most Muslims, yeah. Yeah. And there's zero problem being a Jew there. Yeah. And then, you know... Afghanistan is probably more of a yeah. problem, being a or Yemen for sure. You know, so it's, so it's like, just look at look it up. Yeah, you're right. Say they're safe. Like Asian Muslims do look down on Arab Muslims. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Even in Palestine, the Christian Muslim areas and the and the and the I'm sorry, the Christian Arab areas and the Muslim Arab areas, they live completely different. Mm. The Christian Pal, uh, Palestinian areas, nice schools, nice hospitals, streets paved. It's great. And the Muslim ones, it's fucking disgusting. So I'm not going to do the math and say which one's responsible. I'm just yeah. saying that there's different types, you know, of Arab. There's different types of Muslim and there's different types of everything. So you just got to look. So when I didn't want to go to East Timor because my brother in the army was like, don't go there. My half-brother was like, don't, it's not safe. And then talking to a guy from Jakarta was like, yeah, it's totally safe. Mm. Was, that, that shit's done. That war, that revolution, and that civil war is done. Mm. And then you're like, oh, okay. So I was like worried the whole time, but there's no reason to be because it is. It's done. I don't know. Yeah. And you, yeah. You, you, she's got to be a little careful, but I don't know, do a one Google search. How safe is it's the same thing I do with the water? Can I drink the water in wherever? Probably not. Yeah. It depends where. <laughs> but in Vancouver, you're like, for sure, yes. We went to Edinburgh and I was living with my Joe DeRosa as a comedian and mm. three guys from London. And uh, he bought first day so we had a flat you know for a month so you gotta buy groceries you can't eat out all the time it's not like you're on vacation there you're living there and um and we bought a bunch of groceries he bought a, a big thing of waters you know like you know 20 20 bottles of water and they were like who bought this and joe's like me they're like why <laughs> he goes we can have water like do you know about this and they just turned the tap on and he goes yeah but that's tap water he goes, yeah water what are you talking about he was like well where we come from you don't drink the tap water he goes that's what because there it's super fucking clean. In Vancouver, the water's so clean. And then, you know, in LA, not as much. Yeah. New York, it is. It's fine in New York. But some people are like, ugh. But yeah, some of those places, it's like the cleanest you can get. I don't know why I brought that up. In oh, but oh, you, I'm saying, you just quick Google search. Yeah. You don't have to go really in depth, just a little bit. Is Chicago safe if you were a foreigner? You'd be like, yeah, except try to kind of stay out of this part of town. Okay, got it. Yeah. It'll say right there. You probably don't have to click on the link. You can probably just read the little blurb and find out. And then again, like, I don't know, a super safe, like, uh, like shrink-wrapped life would be... Right. And also, it's like in Thailand, you're not going to get killed. You might get scammed. Yeah. Scam I can handle. That first time I went to Thailand, my buddy did one gig in Bangkok just because somebody heard I was there, but, but mostly it was just for fun. And we got scammed bad outside the, the, the um, prince's palace in Bangkok. Um, we were like, where's the entrance? Some guy's like, that's closed today, dude, national holiday. Uh, which we find out later is a common scam. Yeah. Flagged down a tuk-tuk, which he was in bed with, you know. Of course. Um, so take these guys to like these like locations will be fun. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Let's go to these. 
found out later about the scam that it was open. We just were on the wrong side. We would have eventually found the right side. Um, we were all really mad for about a week, me and my friend Pete, until do the math and we're like, it was $7 each. That was the scam. And he took us to six other tourist areas, like fun temples and like cool, interesting things for seven bucks. Yeah. Which is like that we would have been just likely to want to do. But the, so the scam is like, ah, who cares? Yeah. The scam doesn't hurt. That's a good perspective. Yeah. Um, but stealing all your stuff, you know, or like keeping you hostage, that's a different level. Man, like the, the that kind of stuff has only happened to me in the states. Like I went to LA and they stole like literally these cables. Like yeah, and that's the thing too. I've it's taken like, this all around the world. Yeah. And when they say it's dangerous, like it's dangerous everywhere, man. It's yeah. about the same. I asked my friend Evelina, who's like a, that. She's that Swedish uh, lady who's Switzerland, Sweden, uh, who goes to Iran, and she stopped keeping count of countries because she was like, that's it's it's a silly thing to say. I've done this many countries. She met somebody who did like every country in a year. And she goes, well, you just popped your foot in and left. You didn't, you weren't in those countries. You don't know anything about them. You don't know what the people are like. You don't even know what the sound of the language is. And she was like, oh, I've been to Iran over and over and over again. And there's different regions that have different ideas. Coming to the South of America versus New York versus Upper Vermont. Right, of course. NorCal is way different than, and Montana. And Montana is way different than Alabama. So to say like, I went to New York, I've done America. It's like, oh, you're missing out, man. There's beautiful national parks. And it's like, you should go again. But if you get caught up in like, I have to do this country. Anyway, so she's been there a bunch of times to Iran. But she, what was I going to say about her? Fuck, what was I going to say about her? She'd be a good guest, though. I'd like to hear that. I got her as a guest. I was trying to do this as a montage, but we just kept talking when I was in Sweden. I'll probably do it my own thing. Oh, so she's talking about being a woman. I asked her about that. Mm. And um, traveler, like, it must be harder. She goes, nah. Like, really? No? Because she's never really talked about it much online or she talks more about going to these places or being like um, more environmentally friendly, but never, it's not a woman thing with her. It's just a, like, a, I don't fly anymore because it's not environmentally conscious. I only take boats and trains. And, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but here, most people like, as a woman who's doing this, it's like, so I asked about it. She goes, no, same. She goes, keep in mind, it's the same as wherever I am. As a woman, if I go down a dark alley in my neighborhood, yeah, yeah. I have to be a little more conscious because I can get beat up. If someone wants my wallet and they're a man and I'm a woman, they're just going to get my wallet. So I try to be careful. And she goes, I don't really go out at, at night or around bars because that's where violence happens. But she goes, I also don't do that at home for the same reason. So her experience as a woman traveler is the same as her experience as a woman at home. Just yeah, got to be a little careful. Yeah, maybe I'll wrap on that. I think that that's like... Going back to the way that you talk about travel, um, I think helps enlighten people to the point where it's like you don't have to spend a lot of money to yeah, do I this. Yeah, try to be like it's accessible, you guys. Yeah, eight grand in four months, and all in. Everyone all in comes and up I with splurged. Really? I mean, getting a flight three days out yeah. instead of you know months out, so I'm paying a little extra for that. Um, at the end, I took scuba diving lessons. And then, and then more scuba diving, that's expensive. Right. You know, that's like you're talking about like a few hundred bucks a day instead of 15, 20 bucks a day. Yeah. Um, if there was in like, one time I was in, coming back from southern Vietnam and going back to Phnom Penh so I could fly. Sweet. Um, yeah, and so one day in Vietnam, and one day in Phnom Penh, I was like, I'm not getting a hostel for one day. I'm going to get a, a hotel and fucking shower and get a real bed because I'm yeah. about to go to somewhere else. Um, and I'm only here for eight hours. I'm not going to meet anybody. 
So, you know, that's another $25 instead of seven. I mean, I didn't. There was a, a place in um, Ho Chi Minh that had, there was a blind restaurant. Whoa. It was like uh, pitch, pitch black. You have to go through curtain and curtain and curtain and curtain. And it's only blind waiters serve you. Whoa. And you can't see the food. And they have to like put your hand on your plate. And it's like, here, do you see your plate? Do you see your fork on this side? They, not see, but like they have to hold your hands over there. And they lead you in. And they're blind, so they're fine. Walking around. They know the spatial, you know. You can't see anything. You're eating this food without knowing what it is. So you don't have your sight on it at all. It's cool. It's a $120 meal. That's what I mean. I splurged and I did right. two grand a month. All in with all flights, even ones back to America. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's like just like you were saying. You could easily the, do one thousand a month. Right. You could have done that trip for five grand real easily. Or even like the I'm a woman, will I be safe? Right. Is there terrorism? Is, like, and it's like nah, all that nah, shit. Nah, yeah. Calm down, calm down. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. And, you got, and people hostels too. My friends, I can never stay in a hostel. I'm like I thought the same thing. Right. A weekend, it just becomes your new reality. I'll compare it to this. I talked to some Holocaust survivors who met in a camp, in a concentration camp, and then they lived their lives together. They both survived. And, um, but I was like, so, like, how did you go from like having a normal life in your home in Romania and your home in, in Hungary to um, being, you know, four to a bunk, you know, and then four to a bunk of the bed below you, like, and no having food, no nothing. And he was just like, it's just our new reality. It was no time to really think like, how did we get here? It's just, mm. It was just our new reality. And pretty quickly, it became our new reality. Same thing was getting money or losing money. Like, you just, you just, your mind just copes into, like, what it is. So people can't think they can't do hostels. You're wrong. Other yeah. people do it. It's l less comfortable um, and a little dirtier, but just ignore it. You adapt to those standards of cleanliness really when fast. When you're on mushrooms at a, at a music festival <laughs> and your friend hands you water, like I'm so thirsty, hands you water of a bottle that he's drank half of out, out of. If you're in normal life, you're like, and you do the thing where you pour it into your mouth so it doesn't touch your lips, you know? Yeah. Or like, Ugh, I'll get my own. When you're on mushrooms at a festival, just give me the water. That all yeah. goes out the window because it doesn't matter if I get your saliva on my saliva. And even those small gifts of like kindness where even if like you're on the road and someone cooks a dinner or something. Oh, it's wonderful. You, yeah. It's wonderful. That's something to take away too. I got kind of caught up in the, and like this has really like made the podcast rounds like, like, like healthy lifestyles and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, like I want to be like healthy and like comfortable in my life. But to the point where, like, if you're on the road and someone, like, offers you a beer or something, like, you have to take that beer. You gotta take it. Like, you, you, it's not about, like, that, that Bedouin idea. Like, it's an insult if you don't take it. It's not that. It's just, like... You might miss an experience yeah, because you, you were counting calories or some bullshit like that. Yeah. That was... I read Rolf's book, and then and then uh, one of his things was, in fact, one was, like, just say yes. Just say yes yeah, to this exactly. shit. Don't be above it. Just say yes. And then I was walking in the, like, the, the Vietnamese version of the hutongs. Just these little alleyways, and I came across the family. They waved me in. They're like, come sit with us and eat and sing karaoke with us and just drink the beers with us. And I was like, no, I'm going to be in. My mind was like, no way, I'll impose. Yep. And then I was like, wow, Rolf said, and he said, yeah. And it was one of my favorite times. Yeah. I was on a, like, uh, I gotta say yes. On the river right outside of Brunei. Yeah. Taking a river taxi. Yeah. Okay, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I thought it was someone I knew from a long time. Um, and like the, the driver was like, come to my house and meet my family. And you're like, oh, no way. Right. But I did. Yeah. And they made me lunch. And then they were like, what are your favorite things to eat in Indonesia? Because it's a very similar culture. Like, come back Sunday night. We're going to make that for you. I come back my last night before leaving. And they have this like, feast where like all the kids have to wait for me to eat. Wow. And I'm just like, why? Why are you doing this? And they're like, well, we went to Australia. 
and like people did this for us. So like we're, oh. this is our comment. It's just like, oh wow, yeah. interesting. And if I had been like chicken shit and been like, I'm not gonna, no, nah, I don't want to go to see this guy's ass. Like yeah, you gotta yeah. be careful, but I would have missed all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, yeah, you gotta be a little careful, but like, not really. It's mostly about like, just like socially, you like don't want to impose. Yeah. But like, just go for it. They're yeah. inviting you. Just go for it. My aunt used to tell me this. Like, she would give me money when I was like 17, 18 in yeshiva and seminary in Israel. She'd give me like 100 bucks. Something. I was like, no, no. She goes, somebody's giving you something. Give it. And she compared it to like, if somebody holds a door open for you, you don't go, no, no, I know how to hold a door open. And you're like, yeah, of course you do. Right. And I'm holding it open for That's you. That's not the point. So yeah. just go in. I want to yeah. do something nice for you. Yeah. You're going in. If you're not going in, I get it. Yeah. But you're going in. So fucking let me hold the door. Same shit. I'm, I'm inviting right. you over. I'm not, I'm not feeling forced to do this. I'm, I'm saying, come on over. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's wrap. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, folks, that is a wrap on episode number 100 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to my guest, Ari Shafir, and thank you to all of you, Voyagers. I Before I check out here or sign off, I've been writing down uh, just sort of some takeaways from long-term travel and from spending time in another country. I was writing these down with Leslie, who was on episode number 41 of this podcast. She did like a year in Colombia or like the, the better part of a year in Colombia and then went around to like Bolivia, Chile um, and all over South America. And her stories are amazing uh, and she's really great. So we were writing down some takeaways and I'm going to share some of these with you if you are interested in long-term travel and want some weird little pieces of advice. Okay, here we go. Take pictures, but not too many. And yeah, really, like actually that's like, that. there's a reason why that's number one. If you're going to a sunset or an amazing temple or on an amazing hike, put your damn phone down, man. Like, yeah, we all, we all take pictures and you want something to remember it by, but don't leave the entire experience behind a phone. And if you're one of these people that is at a site that other people are at and you're playing music from your phone because you want it in the back of your Insta story, cut that shit out, man. Okay. Go to the movies in every country. This is actually a good way because they're all in English and then they're subtitled. This is a good way for you to learn the local language. Send postcards. If someone offers you food or drink, you take it. If you get a chance to swim, swim. Don't plan or think too far ahead. Dollars don't mean much unless you're hungry. Then they kind of matter. Take public transportation. If you want to do it, do it. Try to find ways, places, people, that defy the stereotypes you've heard about the country that you are in. Take the time to read and learn about the place that you are in. Be polite and patient with everybody. Share meals with people whenever possible, but caveat to that, eat alone sometimes and people watch and experience and see if someone comes up to you to talk to you because it'll happen a lot when you're on the road. Walk or bike whenever possible. Talk to locals. 
Oh, here it comes again. Put down your fucking phone. Yeah, practice that in your real life too. Even if you were like mid-something, mid-text, mid-whatever, post on whatever, and someone comes to talk to you, put it down. It'll still be there. Look someone in the eyes. Allow yourself to feel uncomfortable and awkward and anxious, right? So if you're like waiting for someone or you're talking to someone and then they like are talking to the person next to them and you're waiting to like jump into the conversation, don't pull out your phone as a way to sort of like cut that tension and to like occupy yourself. Be there in that moment, man. Go back to the intro and listen to that again. All right, I lost my page here. Let me go back, sorry. Okay, stop and appreciate the moments and experiences around you, including the small things. Yeah, go back to the intro again. I was doing this like even last night where somebody cooked something for me. Right, and like I like I, I could have sat in the other room and like waited for it, but I sat there and I was just like I, I watched them and I really like I, again it, it. This must sound so like cheesy or like overly romantic or like idealistic. I don't care, man. Maybe it's nice to to be those things sometimes, but like I I I focused on that moment and I talked to the person and I watched and I like took in everything. And I shut my mouth when that person wanted to talk and I listened. It's pretty rare that we do that. Think of like how much noise is in your head all the time. You're thinking 10 steps ahead or you're worried or you're, oh, what about what happened at work? Or I got to get this thing done. It's pretty nice when you can clear all that crap out. Seek experiences that go beyond your comfort zone. Go see live music. Learn how to do something new. Treat the places and people you go to as if you live there. Sometimes you're just going to have to trust people. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Like, I think Ari talked about this, and I talk about this all the time. Like, I was always so controlled with my life, my professional life. Like, I had to be. I was in charge of a team, in charge of a school, a, a liaison essentially to a community, right? Right? And I was just like also in charge of my own life. It was like I was regimented, come home, got to go to the gym, got to come eat this healthy thing, got to you know, repeat. And sometimes like you're at the mercy of someone else. Like if, if you're in a lot of countries where the driving is crazy and, you know, you get a driver or you get on a motorbike or you have to trust that someone's going to take you to the right place. Yeah, be safe and guarded, but... Sometimes you got to just be like, ah, if something bad happens, it's going to happen. Like I have to put my faith and trust in this person. It's kind of nice to be that way too. It's not, come on, man. Being guarded all the time. I don't know. Uh, where, where was I? I had to do something new. I said that. Uh, tr uh, trust people. Okay. Drink the local beverage. Man, like, and by beverage, we mean like it's going to be a local lager or like a lot of places have their own local liquor. Um, when I was in Kenya, they had this like weird palm fruit wine. Um, in Malaysia, they have like uh, tuak or luak. I think you, that's interchangeable, which is like a fermented rice wine. Um, every country has its lager, which is like essentially the same, but they're great. Um, so have that and have it with people. Uh, volunteer or offer to help. 
it's okay to let things, objects, go. And actually, like, this is pretty great. I thought about this when like, I was leaving Sri Lanka and I was going to go somewhere colder in Callum. If you go back a few episodes, listen to the Callum Thompson episode. He's like, hey, I got a North Face you could take. Or even here, like in Brooklyn, um, uh, like Leslie was like, I've got, I've got some sweats you could take. And like, I, I just came from like the jungle, man. I didn't have sweatpants. And so it's, it's nice when like people gift you these small little things that start to mean a lot when, when you really like, you don't have anything. Um, yeah. And you can do that too. Like leave things for other travelers. If you don't need it anymore, if you're, you're in a climate or, or it's just like cumbersome to like, you know, take your jacket around these hot countries, leave it for someone at a hostel or someone that you run into or, or give it to a local uh, there's someone that might need it. Don't throw it out. Don't throw out clothes. I think that's hard to dispose of. Uh, I'll finish with this one. Get a tattoo somewhere in another country. Preferably on your face, throat, or hands. No, not that last part, but get a tattoo in another country. All right. There's some wisdom. Episode 100. Here's to 100 more. Thank you, everybody. As always, please take care of each other. Until next time. Mm-hmm.